Let's go down to ringside. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Welcome to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys for being with us here. It is episode number 177 here on Monday, May the 18th, 2020. We're here as always to romp you through the world of retro wrestling yet again. I'm Joe Murata, joined by the one and only Michael Quinn. And how you doing there, Michael? How is 34 treating you, my oh, friend? 34. Nice age, huh? I, I don't. Is that real? Age. Yeah. Is that <laughs> it's real. Thing? Yeah, is that it's really real. a thing that's happening? It was very nice, Quinn, celebrating your birthday by watching Halloween Havoc this weekend. That was great. <sighs> mm-hmm. uh, if you haven't checked that out, folks, you'll be sure to check out our live review of that. Uh, but this time around, we're going to be romping you through the world. The, the world? The universe, yeah, it, possibly. It's, it's a, well, I mean, a universe <laughs> according to the people in this review, yes. yes. Of retro wrestling. We have some great topics in store for you, folks. But before we get to any of that, want to remind you, if you have a Twitter, you can follow us there if you don't right now. We've been posting daily clips all the time, kind of on this day type of stuff, obscure stuff. Cool stuff. Sometimes when I'm just watching old superstars, <laughs> right. I'm like, that's funny. AOL commercials. Yeah. Uh, so you can do that over on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can also email us if you want to, if you use email and you have a long thing to say at OVP Podcast at gmail.com. That is OVP Podcast at gmail.com. But a really nice place, Quinn. That's what they call it. A nice place to talk. It's the nicest place <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> to talk to you and me, Quinn, and hundreds of of other retro wrestling fanatics is over on Facebook. Yeah, still? Facebook.com slash nice. Yeah, that's they, they own nice yeah, they, over fa- there. Facebook, we own nice. We own, I mean, they have the money to buy it, right? Yeah, I think Zuckerberg they can get has that the money domain, for that. And then, you know, it only leads to OVP podcast. <laughs> you know? yeah, Facebook.com nice. slash nice. Well, we'll have Richard Land and Joe Merkel make a few phone calls to right. Zuckerberg but, see know, if we can handle that. Well, we're friends with Zuck. Obviously. Like, we we hang with out with Zuck. him all the time, right? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, over at Facebook.com slash nice, right. um, there's a search bar. Okay. And on this search bar, right, you type in our vantage point, Dash Retro Wrestling Podcast, Bing Bang Boom, Tubes, Gore, Kaflui. We, we should make sure he knows about the tubes and gore. And the Kaflui? Yeah. Okay, yeah. We'll tell Zuck about that, All too. Right, tell Zuck. But anyway, that leads you to the group button. You hit the join and you're in. That's it. You just join the group. It's free. You're in. There's no um, fees, um, <laughs> CODs, or anything like no that. No shipping and handling yeah. or anything like that. You join the Facebook group, and the point of this one, folks, is to provide people with a place where they can kind of talk about anything they want from wrestling's past without being a dingus. That's the only rule we have, Quinn, right? Don't be a dingus. It's an anti-dingus zone. We have special barriers, anti-dingus barriers. Um, it, it's basically, that's the only rule, though. That just don't be a dingus. And if you yeah. don't know how to be one, just ask. We can tell you. It just means be nice, disagree if you want to, you know, have debates, discussions, and things like that. Talk about WWF, WCW, anything you want. That should be rule number zero in the WF handbook, too. Don't be a dingus. Don't be a dingus. Just don't, yeah. We, we, should, we should call Vince McMahon. He's a big friend of ours, too. Yeah, we know him and Zuckerberg. We'll add that to the book. Okay, no problem. We're, we we got so many friends now. Tons of friends. And folks, if you want to be a friend with us, go over to the Facebook group and you can talk to uh, Quinn and myself and, again, hundreds of other retro wrestling fanatics. And a little bit later, I want to give you some more information. But for right now, just a quick heads up on Patreon, patreon.com slash OVP podcast is where we have 
all of the extra content if you want to support OVP. Uh, the highest tier that we offer, that we even will put out there, is $5. Cup of coffee tier. That's it, seriously. The cup of coffee tier. And that gets you every single pay-per-view review that we've done, including out right now, Royal Rumble 1990, which uh, has been getting some good feedback. Uh, high praise? Uh, some high praise, yeah. Not even low, high. Dirt which, sheets are covering it. Yeah, the dirt <laughs> sheets are covering it. So if you want to support OVP, if you've been thinking about it, maybe I highly encourage you to check it out. It's patreon.com. Slash OVP podcast, really easy. Just sign up and you will get all of our extra content for just $5 a month. But Michael, as we have been going along this season, we've been kind of reflecting on things. You know, Quinn and I have been retro wrestling fans now for over 25 years each. Wow. It's a long time. It's 50 years combined. Wow. I've been a fan for 25 years. Have you? It's actually wild. It's pretty wild, right? And uh, you know what happens is, you know, you start maybe as a kid or a teenager and over time, your opinions change. Mm Mm-hmm. Your preferences change. They do. And sometimes your perspective changes. So all season long, we've been alternating back and forth, giving something where we have a newfound perspective. That is the OVP Fresh Perspective. The sound of freshness. The smell of king. Yes, there you go. So, Quinn, this is my pick this week. Last week, we talked about the house shows, and this one slightly ties into that, I guess. I wanted to talk about a man that we've talked about on and off throughout the years we've been doing this. Mm -hmm. The one and only Lord Alfred Hayes. Rugged. Sexy. Distinctively masculine. He's obviously familiar to a lot of people that grew up on the WWF uh, in the 80s throughout the into the mid-90s. And my perspective on this is is this, okay? So when I got into wrestling, I noticed his voice. I would see him doing the mm-hmm. interview sometimes. And very British. Very British, right? And the stars of the World Wrestling Federation have crossed this big pond. They call the Atlantic Ocean. And on Coliseum Video, I'd always notice him with Mooney. But I didn't pay too much mind to him. I kind of thought he was just this annoying old senile man. The dirty old man was one of my first things with him with Sherry. I have to change my nylons. Get out. Can I stay for that? Get out. You're a dirty old man. I actually, here's, here's a weird misconception that I thought. I thought like, Oh, he must have been in the WF like in Forever. the 60s yeah. or something like that. He wasn't even there. No, like, no. It was just somewhere else. Wrestling elsewhere. Yeah. And when uh, I got into the internet, you've heard of that. Right. The yeah. internet. It was invented um, around the time we watched. Al Gore you yeah, know, got he, it together. He, he was like, you know what? I'm going to plug this in and yeah. we're ready. You know? <laughs> so when I got into the internet, I was kind of surprised to see that a lot of people thought he was a horrible announcer. Well, you know, I'm talking that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I know, you know, people like Scott Keith and we love Scott. Scott's a friend of the show, but people like Scott Keith and a lot of these other reviewers just mindlessly shitting on Lord Alfred Hayes. And I kind of held that mentality myself until the last few years or so when I would realize when he's in his element, which in my opinion is is sitting with Gorilla Monsoon or Tony Schiavone or Sean Mooney, <laughs> he's actually quite pleasant and not bad at what he does. And as time has gone on, I've really realized my fresh perspective is that Lord Alfred Hayes is a good wrestling announcer. And maybe you're going to disagree, you, Quinn, or you fans at home. That's okay. This is just my opinion, obviously. I, you know what it is? I, I personally find him middle of the road. Okay, He's not the worst thing I've ever seen. Right. There's a lot of, like, stuttering or whatever he does, like, where you're like, I don't know if he, like, knows what to say here. But, but, the big but okay. is that there is... You're right. There's something like, as you always put it, the dulcet tones yes. of Lord Alfred Hayes and Sean Moore. <laughs> yeah. There's something like 
comforting about him. There I, is, I don't right? know what it is. I don't know if that's just watching one thousand Coliseum <laughs> video shit tapes or right. just like, it's like, oh, we have the Berserker versus some goober here. And he's a very big mom, yeah, Sean. Or, or like <laughs> weird comments about Sherry, which for some reason She's a lovely girl. For some reason, always added an element of, like, I know I'm a big Sherry fan, but it always added an element of, like, is there some, like, other backstory <laughs> no. going on here? Like, it's just Lord making shit just up. Just Lord making shit yeah. up. And he did do that sometimes. Yes, he's objecting to the presence of Andre the Giant there, but I believe he has been uh, given the authority by the World Wrestling Federation President, Jack Tunney. Now, I guess what I wanted to say about him in, in that regard is, look, middle of the road might describe him pretty well as far as our fan base is yeah. concerned Quinn because he when we did the royal rankings and flush of announcers he made neither list yeah. he didn't make the greatest he and he didn't make the worst he doesn't offend anyone <laughs> right. and he isn't considered great to anybody and I think that's fair I the reason I think he's good is this I'll try to lay this out when he's with Mooney doing Coliseum video or those primetime exclusives they have no vested interest in anything. Oh, not right? at all. Nothing matters. That's pre-taped old shit. If it's on Coliseum, it doesn't matter. Sometimes they're watching matches from like three years ago. <laughs> yeah, like, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're like, why? Did, they, they're just yabbering about nothing. Right. Like, it, it, it's literally, they needed warm bodies there to do the commentary <laughs> for this. Yeah. That's literally all And they is. didn't want to use the original commentary for whatever reason. A lot of times that would be because if it, let's say it was like an MSG show. Yeah. The gorilla and Bobby or whoever would be talking about the upcoming pay-per-view right, and band- yeah. so it just would become obsolete so they would have lord and sean just come in and dub over new stuff and that's where they that's their zone as far as i'm concerned mm-hmm. the two of them and we've talked about that where it's just this mindless banter and mooney will be like oh sean michaels and singles competition yeah, yeah. oh you're so right what a great <laughs> young athlete well normally you would expect to see tag team action when sean michaels and tanaka are in the squared circle you know, my, one of my favorite things about any Lord observation is that the, why does he praise whoever he's with all the time? Like, he's like, you're so right, Sean! <laughs> like that, you're so right. There's a lot of things you can make Lord Alfred t-shirts about, like <laughs> one that says, you're so right, Sean, or the other one is Axe's eyes are closed, he can't, can't open, open them. Why right. is that not a shirt? Like, <laughs> it should be. But like, there's Anyone a lot want of, to design that? There's a lot of weird Alfredisms. That, there like, is. My word. Yeah, th- like, I don't know what it is about him, but he just, it's the way he says it, that it's like very memorable it's that accent man yeah. i'm telling you there's just something likable about him and then the other part of his commentary i wanted to talk about was when he's with gorilla monsoon on msg shows and things like that yeah he's different than he is with mooney because Gorilla's at least still usually trying to put everything over when he's doing msg mm-hmm. i mean maybe not when he's in boston as much or when he's well, in philly with gorilla Dick. doesn't give a crap <laughs> you know? about boston for some reason <laughs> i don't know what is his grudge against yeah. I'm Gorilla Monsoon and sitting directly to my right, his lordship, Alfred Hayes, joining me here once again in Beantown. And, and the spectrum, too. He doesn't give oh, a he, shit about that at, at all. all. The biggie. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you just love it? Uh, no, but when Lord is with Gorilla at MSG, if you listen, and maybe it's just because I like to put these on late at night when I'm, when I'm falling asleep, mm-hmm. and I just hear them. I just listened to one last night. I'm not kidding. The opener was Ron Shaw versus SD Jones. It well, was you know December of 85. <laughs> right. Yeah. But you just hear them going back and forth and trying to put everything over. And Ron Shaw is a very big man. S.D. Jones is no stranger to this ring and this auditorium, uh, whereas Shaw is just a little bit inexperienced with the uh, reception he'll get from these people who know they're wrestling from A to Z here. You know, it's just it's it's the way Lord Alfred carries himself. And I think that that I think that that 
is the whole thing with Lord Alfred Hayes, right? It's like, he's not a guy that you're like immediately like, this is really good announcing. (laughs) It's one of of these things where it's just like enough Lord Alfred in your life. (laughs) Eventually you're like, hey, he's not that bad. Like, I kind of like him actually. Like, it starts to slowly develop into like, well, I kind of like when he's there. I do. Which is, there's a lot of things in wrestling like that. It's like, it's shitty initially. Right. And then you kind of get used to it. You know, well, for me, that was like a Jim Duggan, you know, like yeah. Jacques Rougeau. There's a Hunky lot of people. Dunky. Yeah, where, yeah. But then you realize, all right, this guy cares about what he's doing. One thing about Lord, it was he never really shat on anybody. He always tried to put who like the worst of the worst over. Mm-hmm. Like it could be a, a repo man, British Bulldog match. And he's still doing his best. To- well, I mean, he's Mr. <laughs> British Bulldog. Yeah, I'm true. here at the school for British Bulldog. How, how is he? Was he a good student? Oh, he ate beans or something. You know what I mean? Like, it's like what these fucking useless interviews he always did. Tell me, when he was a child, was he a playful child? Who cares? He was great with those. That's another thing I wanted to talk about is yeah. all the ancillary stuff that he did on yeah. Coliseum and the backstage. The one with him on the train or whatever. <laughs> I'm here. You know, yeah. On the WF Express. Like, that doesn't exist. No, it's not anyway. a real thing. Yeah, or the one where he talks to the Bulldog's parents is funny. Yeah. Home improvement with the bushwhackers, right, things right. like that. He gets electrocuted the he, whole bit. He's just like a good stock character to insert into certain things. You know, he was the primetime announcer on the variety show version. Right, right. He was Vince's sidekick on TNT. There's also the, the like, disgruntled Lord Alfred character, the one that's, like, on, like, Donnybrook Theater yeah. and stuff. Like, what is that? That's I mean, like, in the later era where he's always, like, on a chair reading a paper somewhere. Yeah, that's real. Welcome to the world premiere of Donnybrook Theater. Act one. Take one. He's like, what is this shit? Yeah. And he almost feels, in a weird way, like it's my reaction to the decline, too, right? It's like, what? It's like, I'm here because it's wrestling, right? I'm still right. here to watch it. Right. But I'm going to read a newspaper instead, keep it on the background, and be like, why am I watching this garbage from an aircraft carrier or whatever? Why is Todd Pettengill yeah. here? That type yeah. of stuff. I think Lord Alfred is um is one of those hidden gems in a lot of ways. Obviously, like you said, you said it well. Middle of the road, maybe, as an actual announcer, but he carries himself a certain way that yeah. he just sticks with you. And the more you see him, the more Lord Alfred is in your life, the more you kind of like him. Yeah, I mean, I get if you went up for the full ride with Lord Alfred and WF from, like, when did he come in? 85? Or, oh, wow, 83. Oh, yes. man, we almost got him. <laughs> We're going to huh? have him soon, yeah. Okay, so 83 until, like, 93 or whenever, 94. 94, When did he, like, much. really feel like 95? There's yes, something with there. him or so- whatever. He's but, still there in 95. But I'm thinking if you went for the full ride, right yep over he, a decade yeah he was probably like when he left you're like that stinks i like lord out like that's right. like and and that's a testament to like the buildup of like his i don't know it's like mediocrity just kind of oh, like yeah. becomes something you like well early lord is very awkward and horrible like right. when he's doing updates and doing back like wrestlemania one we always make fun of him all the, nervous that, and terrible that famous update he did where he like sounds super awkward oh There's, yeah like, he's like in the update like room that gene usually is <laughs> yeah. in with the update written a million times in the background like it's fucking scholastic or something <laughs> yeah, right. like it's highlights magazine yeah. and you can tell that he hates doing it and yeah. he's just so awkward at it our update this week concerns a young wrestler whose bubbling personality has already endeared him to millions and millions of wrestling fans not only in this country around the world but as time went on he became more of a character and he never 
minded being the butt of the jokes. You know, like right. Bobby would make fun of him all the time. Everyone would make fun but of him. But he always played it straight. Like, yep. he wouldn't get too mad. Sometimes no. he'd be like, my word. Or <laughs> and he something. would laugh. Yeah. Or, yeah. It's, I don't know. There's something about him. It just everything rolled off him. Like, it didn't, right, like, yes. it didn't like bug him. He never, like, got mad, really. Yeah. It was very rare that he got mad. He just had this way about him, and I really like him. And, you know, he is in the Hall of Fame, but only as a legacy inductee. And there's people that have said that he should have been in the Hall of Fame on his own. What's that your seems, take on that? That seems sort of insulting for somebody yeah. who was like, he was around for like a long ass time the in whole, the WF. The whole Hulkamania era. He was kind of a fixture. He was. He you was a I mean? regular. He was a stalwart. Yeah, and he came in basically with Hulkamania. I mean, like, not exactly. A little before. But he left basically with Hulkamania. A little which after. Was, yeah, a little after. You know, the, the trailing both ways kind of thing. And but. He, he was a great uh, utility infielder, if you will. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If they needed him on play-by-play, he was there. If they needed him on color, he was there. I guess, though, you know what? Here's the thing. is Maybe the legacy induction is actually the most appropriate thing if you <laughs> really? think about it because if you're th- if you look at him he's like literally the most mediocre guy they have like he's not he's no. not he's i just mean in a way where he's not the worst guy like sean no, mooney no. or, or craig DeGeorge craig or something one of the worst like, those are had. like during that time yeah they're like the low tier lord alfred is squarely in the middle he's not mean gene when it comes to backstage right he's not gorilla or tony shivani or any of them on commentary so maybe right the legacy legacy is kind of the middle of the road induction too it's, oh. <laughs> it's like it's like they're not going to put like craig DeGeorge in the hall of fame or anything <laughs> but they'll definitely they want to put lord in but they don't want to be like yo this is like we're gonna give him like fucking 20 minutes or something right so he's got to share it with other people right exactly it's like oh you're with farmer gorgeous burns. george and farmer burns and shit yeah. yeah all right well that's fair enough and the, another thing about lord uh, that we didn't touch upon because i'm just talking about the announcer character but uh he was a great promo in the 70s when he was a heel manager or wrestler he's actually i really like his stuff that the limited amount that i've seen Mm -hmm. and maybe i'll drop one in either now or on the break or something like that let me preface this by saying that sometimes uh, in various sports somebody comes along who shines uh, a star you might say an example to all others somebody who stands head and shoulders above everybody else but his promos were good. He was actually, yeah. and he was a pretty good wrestler, too. See, but, here's the thing about that that era, though. Judo Al Hayes. Yeah, the Judo Al. For some reason, judo. I when I think of that, judo. I also think of AWF, where he's wearing the fucking <laughs> uh, um, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah, the like, pirate, pirate costume. Yeah, <laughs> because he's kind of that character, the 70s version. He is, like, you're right. in AWF. An excuse a smile, because I really believe names could take out both Mr. USA Tony Atlas and Coco Beware, to say nothing of his little parrot. That is the last wrestling thing he did, too, that I know of, yeah, right? Yeah, was... I, I don't know why it... I know this is going to sound really weird, but, like, that AWF soured me on ever wanting to see him before the WWF. You don't want to see the judo? No, I don't. No, the judo's good, man, I'm telling you. No. He's good. He's He was a heel manager, a heel wrestler. He feuded with Bobby Heenan. He's he did some good fine. stuff. It's just... I, He's I, good. I it's that AWF. I don't know why it makes me think, like, oh, uh, well, he must have sucked ass <laughs> as judo. So do you think that? So you don't think he's a bad announcer? That's the bottom line, right? You don't I don't think, think he's, he's bad. bad, but I also don't think at, at first sight he's good either. Okay. Like it's not like you're like, 
wow, this is really great announcing, you know? Like, it's one of those things you have to watch 500 Lord Owls things, and then you're like, this is, I'm, I'm, yeah, I miss him when he's not there. Right, okay. You know? Yeah, because he'll just add in these weirdo comments like, oh, both men played rugby, Sean, and stuff yeah. like that. And it's like, you don't get that from anyone else. It's just... Talk about, like, tea. Like, yeah. somebody asked him about tea in the middle yeah. of it. You know, something like anything English. Right. They'll just be like... Oh, it's, uh, what? What's the Lord Alfred Hall like? Right. Well, you know, the Queen always came here. And it's like what? Like yeah, that is real. Yeah, it's that's like a that, real thing. That shit. Boy, I bet it gets noisy in here when they have those tractor pulls, huh? Bobby, they woo, woo, do woo. not have tractor pulls here. They may have the Philharmonic Orchestra. They may have the World Wrestling Federation wrestling matches here, but definitely not tractor pulls, Bobby. So, I guess your opinion on him has never really changed, or you have grown to appreciate him more. I guess I have appreciated him, but I feel like I'm like with everyone else, right? Where it's like you only appreciate him if you've seen way too much Lord <laughs> Alfred Hayes in your life. So I might not have the same appreciation that you do. Okay. Like, because I guess because I'm still at this point where it's like, well, he's still mediocre to me. Right. Okay. I'm, I'm not saying I don't like him. Like, I like when he's in stuff. That's do. not, that's not, okay. the, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that it's like, I don't think he's like. Well, we should elevate him to the regular hall. I don't think <laughs> he's moved out of the legacy wing. Let's put it that way. All right. Well, you've been Mr. House Shows lately. I encourage yeah. you to check out one with him and Gorilla, and maybe you'll get a nice feel for what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But overall, I just wanted to shout it out because I actually never paid attention to him. I went from that to believing what everyone on the internet was seemingly saying in the late 90s, early 2000s, that he sucked. And I don't think he sucks. I think he is uh, has an appealing quality to him. I like the sound of his voice. I like his odd sense of humor. I like the way he laughs at himself. It will be the butt of a joke and do whatever the hell they needed them to do. So that's my little shout out and appreciation and fresh perspective on his lordship. And folks, let us know what you think of Lord Hayes. You can do that, of course, on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can email us or join the group, Facebook.nice. But Michael, mm-hmm. <laughs> when we come back, there are six names on the board for the best WWF tag teams of all time. That's a lot of names. That's a lot of names, but two more names are coming out of the tank this week. We're going to see where they rank. It is the royal rankings of WWF tag team champions. And that is coming up right after this. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. You may be quite curious as to how we spend our leisure time here in England. I, Lord Alfred Hayes, master of my own domain, I read Victory Magazine. Total coverage of wrestling throughout the world. International stars like Bob Backlund, Sergeant Slaughter, magnificent photography, and competent reporting, we make sure we never miss Victory Magazine here in England. So nice with a cup of tea. You may not enjoy tea, but you will enjoy the international flavor of Victory Magazine. And you'll enjoy Victory Magazine for the spectacular price of fourteen forty-seven for eight great issues. Mail check or money order for fourteen forty-seven. The Victory Magazine, PO Box fifteen thirty-eight, Greenwich, Connecticut oh six eight three six. But remember, the fourteen forty-seven is in U.S. dollars, not English pounds. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys for being with us here. It's episode number 177 here on May the 18th, 2020. Michael Quinn is still with me. 
I am. All I right, didn't Mike. go anywhere. He's still um, he's still, still right here, folks. I, I waited through the break. Yep. All, whatever inserts were there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an incredible. Really, <laughs> I was listening to all of them. Thank you very much. And you know what else is incredible? The deal that we have for you on Patreon. So go to it. It's patreon.com slash OVP podcast. The reason we do this is people that like the show and want to support us. We want to give something back to them. And we try to give you the very best. And I really mean that. We want to make it totally worth your money. We only have three tiers. Two dollars. $3 and $5. Like I said, that's the highest we go. Incredible. It really is. And for $5, you're going to get everything that we offer on Patreon, which includes, of course, the pay-per-view reviews, the highly critically acclaimed pay-per-view reviews. The star ratings. The star ratings are there. These are full-length podcasts. We're talking usually in the two-and-a-half to three, three-and-a-half-hour range. WrestleMania six will be coming up in June. And if you've been thinking about it, you want to get your hands on these, again, $5 a month, and you'll get everything. It also includes on the $3 tier the bi-weekly 1983 reviews, and business has been picking up over there, Michael. Very, very picky. <laughs> very picky. We got um, the Tito, Tito Santana. Tito Santana. Sergeant Slaughter is uh, here. George Animal Steel. George Steel is, is returning. the animal or animal? The animal. Okay, the. Yes. They've got to put that the in there. You have to. And what this show is, the 83 reviews, it's bi-weekly. It's Quinn and I watch it on video, but you can also listen in an audio form. We're just watching Championship Wrestling in order. We're in May of 83 right now. We started in January of 82. Quinn put together a playlist of all the free ones that are on our YouTube channel yep. if you want to get started and there. Usually they get added on every week. I just fell behind, but now it's all updated. Yep. You can just go on there. You got a one-stop sh- uh, one shop. Yep. You can see all the free ones all right now. All the free ones are there, and you can get caught up there and head on to Patreon. That's on the $3 tier. And then for $2, if you want to contribute, and maybe you don't want much, or maybe you, you can't contribute much, you're still going to get stuff on the $2 tier. You're going to get the raw video. That's the making of every Monday show, including this one right now. This is what we call the shirt tier, because you get to see us and see what shirts we're wearing. Yes, yeah, shirt tier. <laughs> um, we wear shirts every week, and we want to show them off to the, the world. you got to see these shirts. you got to see these shirts. And it also unlocks a back archive of our Mount Rushmore and Death Valley Extras. We have a free one out a little bit further down on the feed here of Doinks, but there's about a dozen of those. It's Quinn and I doing the four best and four worst of the really wacky stuff in wrestling. And you also get about 30-something OVP commentaries, which is where we took a, a specific match from the WWE Network, and we watch it along with you and do our commentary on it. So again, if you want to support OVP, if you like what we do here, patreon.com slash OVP podcast. And now, Quinn, it's time for the Royal Rankings. And this is important because it's starting to get nitty and gritty, my friend. It's always gritty and nitty at the end. As I, it, <laughs> the second half, if you will. Yeah, the second half, it starts to get a little tense. The tensest, if the, you will. It's very tense. Now, what we have going on in the Royal Rankings and Royal Flush, if you're not familiar with what that is, is over on the Facebook group. That's right. Facebook.com slash nice. Yeah, the nice <laughs> group. Is where you fans vote for the 10 best and 10 worst of something. And you're going to want to get over there because soon the uh, the voting for next season is going to begin. And Joe Merkel puts all these votes together. Incredible. That's our chief statistician. And at the end of all of this, we have a tank for the 10 best and a tank for the 10 worst. We alternate each week pulling out two names and we rank them scientifically. So by the end of the season, what you are going to have is the OVP certified, organic, scientifically ranked, analyzed, baptized, ordained, USTA certified, and healthy. Best and worst WWF tag team champions. Those are all valid things. Yeah, they definitely are. that, That describes all the teams on this list. Yep. And let's run them down for you right now. At number one, 
Who else but Demolition? Oh, they're the best. They are the best right now. And Axe is better than Andre. And, you know, it, <laughs> all there's, there's all reasons why they should be number one. Yeah, oh, yeah. Science. Yeah. Uh, number two, a close number two, I'd say, is the Hart Foundation. Mm-hmm. One, of the, one of the greatest tag teams of all time. I agree. Number three, also a very close one, the British Bulldogs. That's true. Number they got f- Dynamite Kid. They do have that, Dynamite that's Kid. That's a good, good thing. You ever heard of him? Yeah. <laughs> number four, the Legion of Doom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know you know my feelings on that yeah, but you know what they're in the appropriate spot under demolition so I, i'd say so yeah uh number five is the dudley boys not bad very fair i i, I think feel so like very fair area for them yep i agree and number six rounding it out right now is the brain busters who, i don't know why i guess got voted in based on the fact that they're just awesome but i mean as tag champs it was only a few months we've talked about mm-hmm. that i guess it's cool that a guy's named iron on the team so yeah, that's, iron anderson yeah, iron <laughs> Ian Anderson. <laughs> Ian Anderson. Now, folks, just to reiterate here, we're talking specifically the WWF Tag Team Champions, so that's what factors into the rain here. So if you, the Legion of Doom obviously did a lot of other things. Brain Busters did a lot of other things, but we're talking their WWF Tag Title reign as voted by you, the fans. Those are the six names on the board. Without any further ado, let's go down to Howard Finkel for the Royal Rankings. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time Up here with these tag team belts, and that means we're number one. What about the strike force? We're going to strike with them with, with lightning force. And it's time for you to pay Money Incorporated. So, for the benefit of those who flash photography, what we have here are two hearts beating as one. <laughs> when we get done with you, You'll be sour and gory. It is the Royal Rankings of WWF Tag Team Champions. As we said, Quinn, it's getting nitty. It's getting gritty. It's very tight. It's very tight. We got six names on there. Two more teams are coming out to play today, and we're going to see where they rank. When we talk about best tag team champions, we're really looking at this holistically and scientifically, you know, the most holistic, it's very holistic. And it's basically a combination of factors. You know, the overall importance of a team as tag team champions, maybe the length of reign, maybe not, maybe the amount of reigns, maybe not the type of matches they had, the type of defenses they had, what they meant to the tag division in general. And that's kind of how we come up with these rankings. And really... With these six names on there, it's going to be interesting to see how we have four still to come out. Two are coming out this week. A a large portion of this list to come out, even though we're past the halfway point. Past the halfway point, we're going to have eight, and we're going to see where they rank at the end of this week. So let's go down to the fans here as they count us down, and we can all find out which team drew number seven. Jeff Harvey. Hardy. The Hardy Boys. The Harvey Boys. The Harvey Boys. Now, this is... You know what? I think this is an interesting entry based on specifically where the Dudley Boys ranked. Okay. Because I... To me, those the the you know everyone knows the three teams: Edge and Christian, oh, Dudley Boys, yeah. Hardys. They're like kind of like handcuffed together in history. They really are because yeah. of the TLC matches, and they right. really were the division for a right. year or so. In a good way. Too, in a good way. Yes. For a division that, what were they going to do post Attitude? Right. Yeah, I mean, like, really, you would just have the Holly brothers teaming or cousins. Uh, yeah, and I, I actually thought this was a pretty, like, innovative direction, and I think the Hardy Boys were 
maybe they spearheaded it first almost because if you really think about it because they were the ones that were first doing the jumpy jumps that was one of the things yeah yeah, like and a lot of different tag team maneuvers that people had not seen like the swanton bomb you know with the leg drop and then you know they do these combinations where one would jump and one would do an impact move and And, that stuff and they were really over and they were kind of an updated version in a lot of ways of like a rock and roll express type of team where they were over with the with the women and the kids a real lot yeah they were heartthrobs in their own way but you know what the thing about them was is this is what i always liked about them actually was that they to me unlike some of those teams they came off like they felt like it was like well if i was in wrestling i would be the underdog because it's just the way they kind of came about they were like these kids they were kids and that's a great point Yeah. yeah and i i i don't they were more relatable than most tag teams i remember up to that point they, they just felt like kids that were from their backyard and they and really they wanted were. they really wanted to be wrestlers and, and they were yeah and they made it to the top right and it was like that was the appeal of the hardy boys i think a lot of people felt especially the way they dressed a lot of kids were dressing like that i mean it, I know, it was 1999 2000 right, yeah, yeah the it's pants like, it's like, oh, these kids they seem like if i wanted to be a wrestler right i'm yep. sure they opened the door for people regular joes who wanted to try their you know get involved in the business i'm and, sure there are people influenced by the hardys they, they, absolutely they seemed like such a a success story well they were because they grew up as wrestling fans matt and jeff brothers obviously real life brothers right. and they had their own backyard fed they made their own ring and they actually worked uh individually as job guys for the wwf jeff had was doing it underage i think he lied about his age right when he was like 16 for the love of the game for the love of the game jeff and matt separately uh as early i believe as 1994 these guys would be showing up on superstars and raw oh nice hip lock They officially signed with the WWF and got a contract in 98, and by 99 is when they slowly but surely started to get on TV more and Mm -hmm. and get themselves over, and in June of 99 is when they won their first tag team titles. That was from the Acolytes, uh, June 29th, 99 on Raw. It was kind of surprising at that point because I remember yep. the du- the the Hardy Boys, for that matter. I remember the Hardy Boys. They always seem like oh, these are kind of like they're the high tier jobbers of the tag division. Correct, they're not, right? They're never going to win anything. I mean, kind, they're yeah. just they're just a bunch of kids, right? Kind of like early rockers, right? In the WWF, right? Yeah, I. It's again, it's so hard for me to compare them to people because they, the way they were portrayed was like they were like fans or something. And they like, were young, too. Yeah, they, they were, were so young. They were like in their early 20s. Right. Uh, so they only have the belts for about a month. They lose them at fully loaded 99 back to the Acolytes in a match that also Michael Hayes and his pants teamed with them. Oh, yeah. Remember but, that era? I was like, oh, they're young. I'm going <laughs> to my cane or whatever. Yeah. 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 But I'm anyway. not Doc anymore. <laughs> no, he's not Doc anymore. That was the most notable thing about that. It was like, why is Doc doing this? Yeah. Like, and he's not Doc. He's Who, not Doc. And, you know, it's funny. I didn't really know about his history because remember, I became a fan in the mid 90s. Right or after le- he'd stopped. Yeah. Right after he stopped. And yep. he was the first thing I saw Doc. And I'm like, wait, he was a other thing yes, like i was like what was. the fuck is this like now despite all of the notoriety of the tag division in 2000 with edge and christian and the dudleys the hardys didn't get their hands on the belts again until after SummerSlam at unforgiven september of 2000 mm-hmm. so in the midst of like the you know the royal rumble match the terry invitational 
the WrestleMania 2000 triangle ladder match or whatever yeah. it was, and SummerSlam's first TLC. The Hardys did not have the tag belts throughout any of that. Yeah, and if we're talking about this time, I think we should really note their big breakout really was that Terry Invitational finals thing, right? Yes, it was in October of 99. That was when we were like, yeah, the Hardys do the flippities and the floppities, but like, that what do they do the map, in like a unique situation? And it was like, whoa, this this style that they do is really compatible with like ladder matches. Yes. That's when people started to realize it. And really compatible with guys like Edge and Christian. Right. Is the and, other thing. Yeah. And later the Dudleys. Yep. And Edge and Christian also two young, hungry wrestling fans that just wanted to be wrestlers. So it's pretty cool. And I always just thought this was another aspect of this was that I just it felt like such a new style in the WWF because there really wasn't like tag teams that wrestled like this before. It had been a while because in 98 and 99 we were it was mainly besides the new age outlaws you had a couple of underneath teams like the Headbangers but they yeah. weren't really pushed that much by 98. But it was like with the whole the ECW extreme yeah, right. kind of thing happening, it was like this team that was like they're a little bit better than ECW. Oh yeah. And, and they were. But it was like this refined like oh, well, we're willing to jump off shit. Right? It was exciting as hell because yeah. it hadn't been done in the WWF. Like right. you said, yeah, it wasn't old. Now, By now, you look at it, you're like, all right, whatever. But, man, it was fresh. It was, it was so, fresh. Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of people forget with the Hardy Boys nowadays. Where If either of them wrestling singles or tag team or whatever, it's like these guys were really different they when were. they were new. Their look was different from right. anything else in, in the WWF and their style and the bumps they would take. Right. I mean, Jeff Hardy especially would just practically kill himself right. to entertain people and, Jeff and to was, get over. was like the Shawn Michaels of the team or the Bret Hart of the team. I guess it, so, you, yeah. You know I mean? You, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's fair. I felt at the when they were a team. I, I they felt would, the yeah, same way, yeah. yeah. Now, they only had their, their first run. It was only a month. They lost them back to Edge and Christian at No Mercy. And then they won them again the next night on Raw. But that's when the Hardys were wrestling as Los Conquistadores. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Didn't Edge and Christian do that, too? Yes. Yeah. It was a whole angle. And anyway, the Hardys were the ones that actually lost them to the right to censor. Right. Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> Your favorite yeah. uh, in November. So we got a couple of real quick reigns here. They don't win them again until March 5th, 2001. That's right. the Raw where I believe Paul Heyman debuted, mm-hmm. for the record. You yes. know, that, that whole thing. And then they lose him to Edge and Christian two weeks later on Raw. So we're in this era of the back and forth tag title right. stuff. But I, I want to say this about the Hardys as far as these kind of reigns. Yep. Is they're different in the sense that they're portrayed as an underdog. And it's really stupid if they hold the titles like more than a couple weeks. Like, you, you know what I so? mean? Like, it's like, it's kind of like them trading them is kind of in the nature it kind of works with this sort of team right where they're like smaller than everybody and it's like they're just scrapping and clawing they're trying to hold on to these tactiles and everyone keeps buttoning in and like trying to take it away from them you <laughs> right. know okay that's like, fair but, but they're they're resilient right and they come back and that's just i know that that's I know that the people don't like these switching and everything, but like with the Hardys, I always was okay with it. I felt like it was the way the Hardys were. You know, I, I can't disagree with that yeah. entirely, Quinn. That's that's a pretty fair assessment, yeah. honestly. Uh, so as far as the Reigns are concerned, after they lost them to uh, Edge and Christian on March 19th, 01, they didn't win them again until November 12th, 2001. They won them from Booker T and Test, which was I don't know team. why that was a thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they only held them for six days before dropping them, believe it or not, to the Dudley Boys uh, yes. at Survivor Series 01. Now, was this the last of the classic era? Yes. Or, like, okay. That was the last time they held them in their, like, classic initial run, so right, to speak. Right, They went on to singles. We all know that. 
couple of things happened. Uh, obviously, we know the Matt Hardy angle with Edge and Lita was in between all of that, you know, yeah, in 2004. Jeff, Jeff became a first, like, mid-card, like, always intercontinental yep. and hardcore and all this. I actually really... He beat Triple H! I really liked the Jeff singles run. Oh, yeah. Like, when it was new. Yeah, no, I agree. And even when Jeff became WF champion, uh-huh. like, I thought that felt deserved, believe it or not. Like, it was like he just... He seemed like the guy in that team who should make it to the top. You know what? I'll agree with that yeah. because Jeff had been working his ass off for damn near a decade by that point right? for the WWF. And when he won the world title, whatever you thought of him as a wrestler, whatever you thought of the reign, yeah, it was like it was deserved. So as far as the Hardys as a team, they do win him again during this period of time that maybe is erased from people's memories. But on April 2nd, 2007, they won them in a team battle royal. Uh, this was, if you recall, John Cena and Shawn Michaels had previously been the champions. That was, a great, that? that was a great team. <laughs> I don't care what anyone says. I loved it. That was like one of the super teams. I was like, this is cool. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, like, <laughs> I guess. Uh, and they, uh, they won them in that battle royal. And they lost them a couple of months later in June of 2007 to Cade and Murdoch. Not months, eh? Yeah, three months. That's uh, actually yeah, a, two big, months. a big rain back then. For then, yeah, it is. Now, that was the end of their classic, the, the old title, the lineage title. Right. Now, okay? they, they came back with the reunion, yes. right, later on. So, at WrestleMania 33, which is April of 2017. This is another thing where I, I think this was great. Like, we saw this happen. It was fun. Right? It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is WrestleMania 33, 2017. This is the Raw tag title. It was originally going to be a triple threat tag ladder match where it was going to be Gallows and Anderson. They were the champions. They were going to defend against Enzo and Cass. God. God. Uh, wow. Remember, oh. th- remember them? They both suck ass. I'm that sorry. That wasn't even long ago, but it feels like it was yeah. long ago. And it's good riddance. Yeah. Uh, Cesaro and Sheamus. However, the New Day, who were hosting WrestleMania, if you recall. What was that? Because <laughs> they just were. They come out and they're like, here, we're adding it, we're making it a Fatal 4, and it's the Hardys, and the and the place lost it. Orlando so, lost it. Yeah, in the background behind this was as Matt and Jeff kind of went on, an, like, an exodus. Like, oh, in, yeah, in, they to, were gone. They, they, in TNA. They, Forever, yeah. They, I don't remember if they, them and the WF were at odds, but they kind of were both like, we want to do different things, yep. and they just went in a different direction. Broken Matt Hardy, yeah, Brother like, Nero. Yeah, Brother, ne- brother Nero. Brother Nero. <laughs> it's real. Now, the Broken Hardys were actually kind of awesome. It was, it was, it it was, was what it was. It yeah. was creative. It was. Considering like you're taking these characters that are not this but like anyway they come back and like people are super super excited for this and i thought this was a great like little comeback run it was just it was a typical like oh they win at wrestlemania that's fun or whatever and then they lose it a couple two months later that was it and it was to a very good team cesaro and sheamus right so that's fair you know they put over cesaro and sheamus at extreme rules in june of 2017 however they have one more run with some kind of tag belt now we go over to the smackdown Tag belts. Right. This is when they, they sent the Hardys over. Like, yes. they basically were like, we're going to do this Hardys reunion tour all year. Yeah. Right. And they just like, <laughs> w- w- it's like, oh, they're going to SmackDown <laughs> right. now to do this. Like, so they defeat the Usos uh, on SmackDown April 9th, 2019. Unfortunately, they vacate them at the end of April because Jeff had a uh, knee injury right. and he needed to get surgery. And that was that. Okay. So that's the end of their run. Yeah, as now champions. Matt has left the World Federation, yep. and Jeff is still around. Jeff is still around. Yeah. And that's the run as champion, so it's a lot of short, kind of back-and-forth reigns, and mm-hmm. then a few spread-out ones. A couple of legacy reigns in 17 and 19. 
And I think that is not going to rank them very high. We'll find out when we get there. I will but- say this one last detail on them. Yep, go ahead. They're one of those teams that you're never like, oh, they shouldn't win the belts. True. Like, I can't remember any of these reigns where I'm not like, hey, yeah, okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. even even the old when they were old. Like, I guess so. That, that's the one thing I just want to put in their their tank there. Like, they're in their favor. Is that like, it doesn't hurt them that they won them. You it mean? never feels like stupid when they win them. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, I can't again can't can't really disagree. It wasn't like it it hurt them or hurt anyone else to have them win them at any time that they did. I just don't know if they're going to rank extremely high is all i'm saying right and we'll find out when we get there but i think we've covered them well is it time for number eight uh sure all right let's go down to the fans let's all find out who drew number eight oh you didn't know your ass better call somebody Quinn, did you know? I didn't know. Oh, you didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know. Did your ass call someone? I'm going to. Yeah. <laughs> so, folks, it's the New Age Outlaws who I expected to make the list. That makes total sense this, here. I'm, I'm going to full disclosure here. Disclose this, it. This team, to me, when I think of the WF tag titles, this is actually like one of the main ones. Really? The um, New Age Outlaws? Because, to me, they, they, were, they were the tag team of the Attitude Era, period. You know, when you got your lineup of champions, right, right. in the Attitude Era... So I weirdly think like Austin, Austin and the WF titles, Rock and the Intercontinental title. I, I know it was like yeah, but but you're the, talking '98. It sounds yeah, like like, and I think the New Age Outlaws in the tag division. I mean, it is, and that that's, that was '98 in a nutshell, man. That's kind of the the group of champions I always think fair, of. Fair, fair enough. And they define that time period in a lot of ways. They do, and they right. were they were influential as to the direction that was going on uh, yeah. during the period of time. Is that the Attitude Era dawned. They started teaming, and I know you love this story, and I do too. I love it. He was the road, he was not the road dog. Uh, Jesse James, you know, he was uh, working hard on the go. Working hard on the go. <laughs> and Billy Gunn was still rockabilly, and this continued to like the fall of okay. 97. I love the nature of how this team was formed because they were like wandering aimlessly, right? Just like constantly feuding. Right. They were both in a state where like you knew these guys had a bit of talent, right? Like, yeah. you'd seen the roadie, for example. Yep. You'd seen him and been like, that guy's kind of unique. and He's like he, he seems fun. And I didn't have any idea, though, because his personality was completely different than the rest of his family. I had no clue he was an Armstrong, to be honest with you, right. at that time. They never said it. They never said it. And I was like, this guy's cool. Like, there's no, there's no guy with the dreadlocks right, yeah. and, the, and the weird baggy pants. Just his and weird like, style. His, and his weird style, but he always seemed like, you know, he gets beat down, he comes back. And that's, there, was something, yeah. there was something about him that was really good in that nature. And then they made him a dork as uh, the singer version. Right, the singer. Big dork. So it was like this weird, like, he was so cool as the roadie, right? He was. And then you were like, why is he this dorky, like, <laughs> yeah. country singer man right, or whatever? Right. And then you got Billy Gunn, who, again, if anybody... If you wanted to be like honest, he really was the guy in the smoking guns that was like this. This guy's going to be a single star. Oh, well, according to Jr. Anyway, but yeah, I thought that too though because okay. of, of the two smoking guns, I was like, 
who gives a well, shit Billy about had Bart. more charisma like, for yeah, sure. It was like when they, especially when they were heels with Sonny, Billy was the kind of the he steady, was, was kind yeah. of the goof and he the standout was. and yada yada but yada. But yeah, they were appreciated for years as the smoking guns. Good team. Yeah, and then they take this horrible deviation where Honky Donkey's come back and it's like, I'm gonna find me a new intercontinental <laughs> champion months. like forever. <laughs> and like, so he picks Billy Gunn and Billy Gunn's like, okay, like yeah, I, and, I got nothing going on. And it sucks. And it sucks. And for some reason, they have a problem with Jesse. James, yep. and then the funniest thing how this forms is basically both of them are just like, fuck Honky Tonk Man, <laughs> he's like making us fight and they beat the shit out of him and then they're like, we're a team now yep. I'm gonna solve your problem Uh oh Look out Oh god, what did he just do? Uh, that's unfortunate right there Oh no You know, say what you want about the Honky Tonk Man, the man's a four-hundred champion just don't know what will. And I was like, this is good. It like, was so fresh. Yeah. It was another thing was just fresh. And they were like, it wasn't just that they defied Honky Tonk Man. It was how they did it. Yeah. Like, it felt like these underappreciated new gen guys who were like, enough of this shit. <laughs> right. Like, kind of like how the Attitude Era, that's how I was describing a how couple it of began. weeks ago. Yeah, right. Like, about like a lot of these new gen guys just being like, fuck this. Yeah, like, this right. sucks. Like, you know what I mean? And like, like we're not going to fight each other. I mean, fuck these old men. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's like what it felt like. It was great the way it started. And uh cool thing about them is, even though they weren't in the Triple H and Shawn Michaels version of DX, mm-hmm. They worked their way into becoming like cronies with them occasionally. Right. So which the was kind of funny. The New Age Outlaws became like this cool. They were like sub friends yeah. or sub associations. They were like underlings, kind yeah, of. Yeah. And it was like they would only come at certain times. Yep. And you were like, I kind of like this yeah. because it makes sense. Right. right? And like it, it makes sense about how. As far as attitude was concerned, they had it. Oh, yeah. Like, they had it. They like, were ass wipes. They're like debut match, right? When they fight the headbangers. <laughs> yeah. And my favorite part about it was it was sponsored by JBC Kaboom Box. Yep. And they take the Kaboom Box and they just, oh my, they just nail it over Moshes yep. or Thrashers, one of their Thrasher, heads. Thrasher, I think. And, and like, they wreck them and you're like, wow, okay, these guys are like. They're serious. These are not like goofs, right? Like, they're like vicious. And then they pick a fight with the LOD, right. who had won the tag belts in October. And on November 24th, this is a couple of weeks after Survivor Series, so the the guard is changing. Bret Hart is gone. Things are happening like How that. How new were the New Age Outlaws when they... I think they started teaming in October or November. Right. It was they like, were brand new. It was like, quick, quick, quick. Yeah. It was like, no, these guys are not putting up with this crap right. anymore. Like, they're just going to go to the top. Yep. And they're the ones that end the short reign of the LOD, and they beat the shit out of them. Yeah. They shave Hawk's stupid head. And uh, JR, of course, oh my God, look at that, wow. And he, he's shaving. The New Age Outlaws are shaving Hawk's a lot of what the emphasis was about them they were breaking tradition right and that was kind of new age outlaws right yeah, which like, is a great name what a name that's a good name I, I love that name again i just the whole beginning of this team was awesome it was because again fresh yeah right it was really good it, it was it, different it was like, oh billy gunn is like not being misused oh uh roadie's not being misused like right. this is really cool and compared to what was going on that fucking new blackjacks and the godwins all these attempts to, like, <laughs> with cletus I, you know i gotta say God, the godwins are very underrated no they're good they're, they're good they're, they're very good uh, but the, the godwins the godwins were always looking for like the push they needed <laughs> yeah and they never got it they never got it right 
not to say their work wasn't good. I really like. I them, like them but, too. But um, I'm the, talking new, about the way they were booked. The new Age Outlaws just kind of like they found it. They found it. They defeat the LOD, and that's that kicks off their best run, and then kind of is interrupted at WrestleMania. We'll get to that, right? But it kicks it off. They uh, get away with the belts at Royal Rumble against LOD. DX is again still existing, and the Outlaws are kind of affiliated with them, like we said, but not really. And then we get to WrestleMania. They've been feuding with Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie. Mm-hmm. They push them off the dumpster. Remember, that was in awesome. the dumpster off I, the Titan. I, this Tron. whole thing was super fun. Yep. I never seen. A, I didn't know what the hell a dumpster match was. Yeah. And I don't think we've ever seen one since. <laughs> not really. The, the rules were a little sketchy, which kind of worked into the yeah. <laughs> well, because Cactus and uh, Funk put them in the wrong dumpster. Right. So the next night on Raw, the titles are kind of vacated, quote unquote. Right. right. And the Outlaws win them back in a cage match. And this is where it's revealed that the Outlaws so good. have joined DX on the same night that Sean Waltman returned. My God, it's carnage! Yeah! I think, King, I think you're right! I know I'm right! Have the Outlaws joined DX! My God, they're, they're stronger than ever! This whole forming of DX, right? This... This was great. Yep. Like, I mean, the other thing is that I th- I felt for the Outlaws specifically, it allowed them to be, first and foremost, the main tag team of, like, a huge group, right? Yep. Second of all, this beatdown, this beatdown yeah. to, to when they joined was just, like, they got everything in their hands. Like, they... they they beat everyone. Yep. Like it's like this is awesome. Yep. It, it, it. I don't know. It just that that view, like the DX doing the chop on the top of the cage, yeah, and like right. just like New Age Outlaws being part of that. It really, really helped this team. And to me, at this point, they were cemented as like they were the tag team. This is WWE. the team of the generation. They right. are the tag team of this Attitude Era. Correct. And they were, and that's when the. By April, May, they turned face. All of DX did because they were just so damn entertaining. Right, they feuded with the nation. And is this where the um the catchphrase the um the the beginning of their matches develops? Well, yeah, it ha- Roadhog had been doing it as a heel, presumably just to piss people off. Right, but little by little, everyone started catching on and learning what he was going to say, and then right. they got to the point where it became a staple of Raw. Yeah, and actually, I, I think this is, I know this is a stupid thing to say is a big part of their reign, but it really is. Uh, th- that no, crowd is. interaction really propelled them and kept them so over. Like, I remember, I, I definitely went to WF event in 98. Right. And I remember, I was like, well, I came to also say that, right? Yeah, like, right. I wanted to be with, the, I wanted to be with the crowd. I mean, sure. You know, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children, I'll never yeah. forget it, the whole thing for the rest of my life. Yep. Like, it was just something like, oh, and that's the tag team champions. Correct. Like, that, that's them. Yep. That's what they do. And that's what they did until July 13th, 98, when Kane and Mankind defeated them on Raw. And then the belt passed around a little bit. This is the whole Undertaker, Austin Kane, Mankind fiasco era. This is the thing I don't, I like the Outlaws, but this is the thing that I think was the problem with their run yeah. is then they ran into freaking 1999 where everyone's right. like <sighs> they didn't have just, opponents it was just they didn't have opponents and then all these stupid other teams came along and yeah just i know like, what the fuck like get out of here like right. you know like i know so they do win them at SummerSlam, uh, ostensibly from kane and mankind although remember kane attacked mankind before the match so that's mm-hmm. to get sympathy on mick and so he can turn face so the outlaws win them at SummerSlam, and they hold them until december 14th when they lose them to the corporation's Big Boss Man and Ken Shamrock. And I, I, like I, that I really team. like that team, <laughs> They're too. Good. They're good. I, I do <laughs> like that. Now, how many reigns have they had at this point? Like, two? That's so it? That's technically their third because of the interruption of WrestleMania 14. Right, okay. But really, I mean, it's their second. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So now, they, after losing them there in December, they don't win them back 
all the way until September of 99. And in right. the midst so of this... this was like the revival, right? Yes. Yeah. In the midst of this, Billy Gunn had kind of turned heel, won the King of the Ring, feuded with The Rock. Right. None of that worked because he's a terrible singles wrestler. And meanwhile, the road <laughs> dog was a great hardcore wrestler. I really... He I, was. I always say this rain, like, if we had to do, like, best hardcore champions, like, Road Dog's, like, up there, in my opinion. I he, agree. He was so good. I know it was only, like, a couple weeks or whatever, but yep. it was, like, it was actually really amazing. I was, like... It was a good run. <laughs> it's the roadie that I wanted to see. That's like, right. That, that scrappy, like, always, like, kind of just getting away with it. Yep. I, he was that character again, and he, I really liked he him. He was very entertaining. Yeah. Uh, they defeated, actually, in September 99, the Rock and Sock Connection, which we all know what that team That's was about. That's, like, a pretty big win, pretty actually, big if you win. think about it. Like, yep. the Rock and Mankind. Mankind. That's huge. They drop them back to them a couple of weeks later, October 12th, 99, and then they win them on November 8th, 99, from... Al Snow and Mankind. Remember that? That, like, very brief... That tag team was fun, though, because it was it mainly consisted of Mick making fun yeah, of Al Snow. exactly. Like, <laughs> so does his first the, book. That was... I will say, that's the one thing about the thrown-together teams back then, is they actually, like, were kind of good be, at, at Sometimes, that point, yes. Only because, like, the, the combinations were sometimes, like, just jokes, essentially. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And this is to the point where the Outlaws are now heels, because Triple H is a big heel... And uh, they lose them to the Dudley boys, like we covered when we right. mentioned the Dudleys, and No Way Out in 2000. And that is it for that well, run. Isn't there a revival or something well, that yes, everyone there is. hates so much or whatever? So there, that was it for that run. However, because WWE has a proclivity to bring back people from 15 years ago, yeah. <laughs> in 2014... <laughs> it was 2014 like after the fact after having spent time in tna you know these two remember Cube the camp yeah. <laughs> yeah the voodoo kin mafia right remember that and and road, the, to me this felt like road dog was like getting ready to retire from the business in general be an and become agent, an agent a shitty agent or whatever and this he was is. like a i don't know what this was as much as like oh well we want to bring back an old team yeah, for some, well, some reason yeah they defeat on the royal rumble kickoff show Cody Rhodes and Goldust. Right. <laughs> um, and have a very short reign that ends on March 3rd, 2014, when the Usos rightfully defeat them because, yes. I mean, this, you know, this is just for funsies. It was literally I, me, just for funsies. I, I, it's not that offensive. No, it's not. And they were supposed to be heels. Like, you were so. Like, I actually yes. thought this was like an interesting reign only because it was one of those, like, oh, this old team comes back, but we don't like them. Yeah, exactly. Like, and, like they played into that. They like, definitely. They were, did because there's also that didn't they get their asses whooped at wrestlemania 30 in the six-man tag that yes. was and I, that was that, awesome that was literally how the new age outlaws ended like it's almost interesting because if you think about it that's how the new age outlaws were formed yeah and they good were point. And they ended the new age outlaws as their old men yeah and they're getting their asses whooped by a bunch of young men it was the outlaws and kane wasn't it and the shield like destroyed them at wrestlemania right, and it was awesome as they should have and that's literally it's kind of a, a nice bookend nice to bookend. how the new age outlaws formed of yep. like rebelling against the old men yeah and they had become the old men excellent Gwen. yeah wow deep all right is it ranking time you think because i mean we, we're gonna have it, a lot to say about I think them it is okay I'm going to run them down for you again, folks. This is serious, remember. We have our lab coats on. Our goggles are on. Very serious. There are beakers and all kinds of tests and analysis. Things are bubbling. I don't know. Yes, and you be sure to let us know your rankings. But Quinn, and number one is Demolition. Two is the Heart Foundation. Three, the Bulldogs. Four, the Legion of Doom. Five, Dudleys. Six, Brain Busters. For the Hardys, I think we can skip the Brain Busters because... They are 100% better. Yes, and, and again, I, folks, I, WWF I, Tag Team Champions is what we mean. 
Yeah, but I mean, the Brain Buster is a great team, but they're not the WF Tag yeah. Team Champions. So. I think it's only natural we compare the Hardys to the Dudleys to start. Okay. I guess I'm going to just show my cards where I'm going to lean here. I think the Hardys were actually better. Than the Dudleys? I do. As Tag Champs? Yes. Why? I just feel like the Hardys were the spearhead to this new extreme style in the World Federation Tag Division. Dudley's had a lot to do with that too, though, with they the tables. They did, and the but violence. the Dudley's were a more grounded, um, kind of hard nosed team. Yeah. And it wasn't, how do I put it? It wasn't, what the Dudley's did is they kind of added grit to these two young teams feuding. Absolutely. You know, and they were, their style wasn't as innovative, it was just more vicious. The Hardys were doing things that I'd never really seen tag teams do before. And especially in the WWF, right? Obviously, and I just thought they were real innovators, and they they were somebody that I like to root for. Which you can't say that too much in wrestling. Like a lot of times, you're always like, "Oh, I don't like this guy." Right, I don't right. Like that. The Hardys. That I, I think the biggest thing you can say about them is they had a bunch of reigns, but it seems like that every time they won it, I can't remember being like, "Oh, that sucks." Like, "Oh, Hardys again." It's always okay. like you were just excited. Like, they were like, oh, they did it. Like, I can't believe it because they're smaller than the rest of the guys and stuff, you know? Okay, I can agree. I think the Dudleys and the Hardys are comparable in that none of their reigns were ever meant to carry the division. Their reigns were not about carrying a division as much as they were, like, exchanging the belts between the three teams was what the division was. It was that it's so competitive that right. like anybody, it, it's any given Sunday, that was like what they were selling to us. It's like that it's, that's why it's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, okay. If their belts weren't changing hands between those three teams, nobody would give a shit. Because the division they, wouldn't be competitive. And you'd be like, well, they lost like three times in a row to them. Who gives a shit? Like, okay. why do I want to see the Dudleys against the Hardys again? But if their titles are switching every single time they fight, then you're like, oh, there's something going on here, right? I guess you can look at it that way. That's it's, one way to approach it. It's, it's a very really, optimistic outlook. Well, because it's really the only time that they really focused in that way on it. That they It wasn't just meaningless title changes between teams that, like, the teams were moving around. These were three definitive teams that were, like, pillars, and they were exchanging the belts. That's different from then, like, oh, one week X-Pac Kane, <laughs> yeah, next right, week right. RVD versus right. this guy, and then you never see the other teams again. Fair. You know? So when it comes head-to-head Dudleys and Hardys, the Hardys get the nod just because maybe they were a little more important to the division or a little more they, influential? They, they, they were a little... They were first to the game, okay. I think. I guess maybe that was just an advantage of like how they were WF guys yeah. from the beginning. But, okay. but the point was is that I don't think the WF may have not known what to do with the Dudley boys... If it hadn't if been it, for the Hardys. If Edge and Christian hadn't already been like kind of hmm. throwing down, okay. you know? Okay, I can put the Hardys above the Dudleys based on all of that. Yeah. But I don't even know. Uh, LOD. Yeah. How did they get this high? <laughs> so, because I, okay, I will say this with LOD. Um, I like LOD, but. Uh, I, think, I think the reason they're this high is because he, the thing with the Dudley boys, Hardys, and Edge and Chris and all that is that we can't say that those wins were as memorable. LOD, at least, is they're still in that era where, like, yeah. When they won the belts, like it was like they it was, won the belt. It was a big deal, right? right? It was at the SummerSlam, I, I recall. The SummerSlam '91, yeah. SummerSlam '91, and they beat the Nasties, and it was this whole thing and this whole build. But I mean, like everything after sucked butt. But that's the problem. Yeah, but but because they, it's like because they got that big 
freaking win, right? Yeah. I think that's the problem, right? They are the Road Warriors, man. I mean, I mean, they didn't have a great reign, though. They didn't. But they were the tag champions when being the tag champions meant something. The Hardys just, they're great. But like I said, we enjoy the wins, but they're not, they're not like etched in our memory. I just remember never. Uh, I, I don't I can't recall a Hardy's title win that I was like disappointed that it happened, but right. I also don't really remember who the hell they fought or yeah. whatever. Like it wasn't really built up other than, you know, the end when I think the Hardys, I just think, oh, they just were exchanging them with Edge and Christian constantly on like Raw or like yeah, well, fucking it was that in your house, thing. whatever. Like, you know. And it was entertaining and yeah. it was good, but <sighs> I I think we're leaving LOD at four, aren't we? <sighs> I think well, we are. Okay, I, I, mean, I can't put them above the Hardys. Yeah, the Hardys didn't win it at any of those iconic ladder matches, right? Like the no, one, the, the big ones. No, like, they where, never did. Like, where the, the the like only matches in those entire that that entire feud that you really do remember. Yeah, they like, never won them there. They never won them there. No, they won them on Raw. They That's won, why you know, they, Christian might actually have like a leg up if they're if, nominated. If they're in this. I don't even know if they're nominated. Yeah. To be honest with you, um, um, yeah, Edge and Christian. I mean, uh, Hardy's kind of just incidentally held the title, unfortunately. Yeah, even though they started it, kind of like they, they started start they, it. Yeah, they started this ball rolling because they won the first of the series. Like in the, they did. <laughs> yes, you know they did. I mean? They did. Yeah. Uh, put them at number five. I think it's a good spot. Okay. Because uh, I really do think yeah. if you're looking at this list, you really kind of have to handcuff them to the double. I can't in yep. good conscience put them against these like iconic. Like, I don't like Legion of Doom. I don't even love the British Bulldogs too much, but right. like, I can't say that like this was more memorable than the rest of this other stuff. Right. Like, well, the top four teams here, Demos, Hearts, Bulldogs, and Legion of Doom, were the bedrock of their respective eras in a lot that's of ways. That's true, yeah. The Hardys were there, but as tag champions, they, I don't know, it just, it didn't matter as much that they were tag champions. Same with the Dudleys. It was about the feud, it wasn't about the belts. Yeah, exactly. Like that, in a weird way. Yep. Okay, so we'll keep them at five? Yeah. Alright, so now it's time for the New Age Outlaws. Now, this, I... I'm telling you, Joe, like, I, I think we got a contender here because I, okay. I really think of these guys as like the tag champs of their time. Like they are they are it. They they were. Uh, so we're skipping them past the Busters, right? Yeah. We're skipping them past the Dudleys and Hardys. They have to be, right? I agree because they were just more important to the division. Here's the thing is that if you think about it, it as far as defining an era is concerned. Right. The Hardys and Dudleys, they have the distinction of sharing an era. Right. Whereas the New Age Outlaws were the era before where they dominated. Correct. Like they were the team. Yes, they were. Much like the demolition was. Right. Yeah. Okay. So let's put the New Age Outlaws against the Legion of Doom. The team that they defeated for their first uh, run. Defiantly and soundly (laughs) and a a great way to kick off their run. Yep. So. I mean, that that was the thing about the early days of the New Age Outlaws is that when they beat guys they beat the shit out of them. Yeah. Like, it was like, that was no, MO. They, they are better. They're younger. They're hungrier. They're, they're hungrier. They're vicious. They're not old, fat, and dumb. Yeah, they're willing to do what they gotta do, you know? That was the portrayal, and, and in the real life, I mean, they were. They were trying to make a name for themselves in real life and help Vince with his company and put them ahead of WCW once and for all. Yeah, and that's interesting, too, if you think about it. A lot of these teams didn't have that, like, they didn't have that, like, we gotta beat these the the older guys on top that, that the heart foundation did 
a little bit, Brett but the did. Hart Foundation were kind of they were in the mix of it, though. If you if you really think about it, you're right. But Brett and his heart, anyway, you yeah. know, no pun intended, was you know all the dinosaurs on there, and we just wanted to have a new era, you know, have a good match, right? That type of thing. But that wasn't that wasn't how the portrayal was. It wasn't portrayed that way. Yeah, that exactly. was real life. Though. The New Age Outlaws <laughs> had this unique situation where, like, they were trying to say, like, look, this team is going to beat these old teams. Like, right. that was how they were, and they were kind of the first of their kind in WF, at least, WF. Where, where they did it that way, where it's like, all oh, these old Don't say team. WF, Ryan Schmuck doesn't yeah. like it. I, since when are we not allowed to say that? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Here. Okay. Something with Parv. I still don't know who Parv, Parv is, by the way. We, I've never heard of Parv in my life. I don't life. know what that is. I'm, I'm sorry if, if Parv is some, like, <laughs> superstar somewhere, but I, I don't know him. Sorry to derail you there, but I want to put a New Age Outlaws above LOD. Definitely. Because I think that they were a more important team to their division. Now, I think there's even argument to be made as this. Maybe it's bad, but it, I think the New Age Outlaws could be put a l- over the British Bulldogs even. Okay, why? Because the British Bulldogs, from a rain perspective, I mean... It's a was, house show run because that's what they were doing. Yeah, it was a nightmare in the, the Rosemont. <laughs> Rosemont, of but course. That, other than that, if Gorilla didn't say that 1,000 times, <laughs> you might forget that the British Bulldogs were the tag team. I'm not kidding. Well... Because like, it was like, hmm. they lost them before, like, right before WrestleMania 3, basically. They did. Yeah, and, they like, lost that's them like when the WF was, like, cooking. They and the cooking. Hart Foundation was right there to pick it up, and they got all the glory. Yeah. You know? Well, the thing is, the Bulldogs, whether they had the belts or not, are going to be remembered as one of the best tag teams from a wrestling standpoint tag ever. teams? Yeah. Maybe not champions, though. That's the thing. Now, the New Age Outlaws were not the wrestlers that many of these teams but were. But they were recognized as the champions for a, a period of time that seemed maybe longer than it was. But well, it, that's the thing, yeah. It's like, it's just, they when you think of them... I think immediately your brain thinks, oh, they were the champions the whole Attitude Era, period. Right. Like, and they you know, weren't, but it feels that way. Right. And I think that's, that's saying something. works in their favor. Right. Correct. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when it comes to wrestling matches, obviously the saying, Bulldogs yeah. win this. And you know what? I do want to say this about the New Ninja Outlaws. They could put on a pretty good match. Yes, they when, could. When they, they, I, I think they're they're a little underrated as far as in the ring is concerned. I agree. I think that they can put a vicious but quick a nice quick match style. And like they the could pacing. wrestle, too, yeah, by they, the way. They both could go, yeah. They, I, they had some good matches against the Headbangers and the New Midnights and stuff like that. Some people don't like Billy Gunn as a wrestler. I don't think he's that bad. He's a good tag wrestler. Yeah. Tag. Yeah. He's a crappy singles wrestler. Do you think from a, a, a perspective of having a match, though, in the ring as a singles? Like, I think Billy okay. Gunn is fundamentally sound. He's like, fundamentally sound, but that doesn't make you a superstar no, as a single. No, it doesn't. That's the thing. I, I, yeah. So the Bulldogs get the nod in terms of the wrestling ability and probably the quality of matches in their defenses that they had on the house show right, loop. But if we're talking about tag team champions, the Outlaws get it for notoriety for popular. Well, the Bulldogs are popular. Ah, fuck! I mean, the Outlaws were such a big part They're, of the Attitude me, Era that the, you got to put them above the Bulldogs, right? You got to. I mean, the only trouble here now, and the heart farts in the demos. So the the heart farts are the heart farts where they stop, or do we like? Here's the problem with for me. It's like I'm thinking teams of a generation when we're talking about the New Age Outlaws. Yeah. And it's like, to me, it's only proper, theoretically, that the New Age, it should be Demolition, New Age Outlaws, Heart, because the Heart Foundation didn't really define their generation. But I'm. You're maybe, right. Maybe you I'm, are right, though. Maybe I'm only thinking generationally and not enough tag team champion style. I know. That's why know? we need to use the science because right, yeah. it gets tricky when yeah. we get up here. Yeah, you're right in the sense that if you think the golden era, 
you think probably demolition. Right. And when probably you don't the think attitude, hard When you think the attitude era, you think the New Age outlaws. Agreed. Right. And when you, well, depending on what you have as attitude era in your mind, because some people might think Edge and Christian or Dudleys or Hardys, but because that's think, also uh, the attitude that, era. That's like near the end post It's attitude. more the end. Yeah. yeah. No, but I think outlaws personally. Right. I don't think Heart Foundation. And I love Brett. And mm-hmm. I'm, I love the Heart Foundation, but they weren't error defining. But again, that's only a piece of this because as te- their yeah. their runs again, they they're more definitive. Yeah. You can say that about the Outlaws, but the Outlaws are <laughs> here's the, the whole thing with the New Age Outlaws is they're they're a dominating team in the category of like a chaotic time period, and right. them being part of that chaos is kind of the the point, right? Yes. That, you know, they could lose them any day. And, like, and they're like, on the forefront of that chaos, yeah, right? Yeah. They brought it in. Just their debut against the Headbangers right. was chaotic. Right. Demolition and the Heart Foundation had uh, set feuds, you know, with conclusive start and, and be- very traditional and ending. Yeah, because different era. The Heart Foundation's first run, unfortunately, again, they don't get to defend it on pay per view because of the time that they were wrestling, but they did do the house shows. Demolition really doesn't have much defenses either, except WrestleMania five. But it's about that perception that they are just—they were the dominant team. They were dominant. I mean, kick the powers of pain's asses. They're big guys. Big it's guys. Like, you kind of just look at them and you're like, how the fuck are you going to beat these? Because they got masks with spikes on them. Like, Axe's eyes are closed. Yeah, Axe's eyes are closed. You, you can't, can't open, open them. them. Right? You you like them and you can hate them. They did both in their run. Sort of the hearts, right? Yeah. With, yeah. In two different runs. Two different runs. Demo, heart, demos did it in the, in same, the same run. run yeah. It's just kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. The hearts face run was obviously a hugely memorable win. SummerSlam mm-hmm. 90. The outlaws was on Raw. Not as memorable. Yeah, the first uh, win. Here's the thing about Raw back then. I know. I know it was Raw. It was Raw. It was the show where you wanted to be. It was. It might have been more watched than the pay per views, possibly, and more important at the time because of at the Monday times. Night War specifically. Yep, I agree. The at demos times. and the Har Foundation they don't have that benefit. So pay per views are really where and the house where shows it's at and yeah. the house shows. Yeah, yeah. And the house shows different different era. It's really tough to kind of break this down. I I don't know. I don't know. What are you thinking? I think I think if you put the outlaws above the Heart Foundation, you're shortchanging memorable moments and like wrestling. But if you put the outlaws below them, you're shortchanging that era defining like the I know, importance the of thing, that. Right? Like you know, who is the tag team champions of this time period? Yeah, I know. In a way, we're damned if we do, damned if we don't with this one. I think either way, somebody's going to be mad. Yeah. Well, I don't think they're better than Demolition. I don't I'll either. say that right now. I don't either. Demo, um, demos stay number one. Right. I feel like they just should stay right below the hearts, honestly. Hmm. I don't know how to put them above them. Just because of the hearts had a mix of being important to the division. Car- yeah, go ahead. Let's try to think ahead, though, right? Because we always what? run into the, the... This is the first time I want to be proactive with this. What? what are we, I'm just thinking... What are we doing here? I'm just thinking... Whoever, I don't know who's coming in next. I don't. I, don't I really don't. I don't know. I don't remember. But is, are we going to form some weird roadblock here or some chance we problem have to take, because, because the outlaws are stuck? That they're such a high tier team, but they're below the heart. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's yeah, but like, the hearts are a high tier team. They That's are. the thing. They I are. mean, two different runs and two different parts of their era. I guess the question is who is the gatekeepers? The Heart Foundation know. or the or the Outlaws here. I don't Cause know. Because that's really what this is going to turn into at this number three yes. slot. It's going to be a gatekeeper. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The Heart Foundation aren't as sensational in, in what they did as the New Age Outlaws were, but they're definitely a better 
wrestling tag team. 100%. You know, and the reigns were, again, very definitive. But the New Age Outlaws, it was so fresh. Like, it really was. It was. It was, it was. it was exactly what a tag team division in that time period needed to be. I know. <laughs> Let's be fair. I'm going hearts, man. I'm okay. sorry. I don't think I can put the outlaws above them. I just don't. I don't see I how. Think the big thing that's the, I, I will say the reason why I am going to agree with you, even though I, I'm, it's tough. I'm, I'm on the edge. I'm tough. really on the edge. It's tough. Um, it's that heart win when they won the tag team titles for the second time. That two out of three falls against demolition. It's it is, huge. It is such a, a moment. Yep. And I can't say the outlaws. They had their moments. Let's be fair to them. They had their moments. They had but- their. They had their things that were defining and like the moon box and beating the shit out of LOD yeah. and like and and then the dumpster match was but that's part not of the rain but like part of the tag tag run as much you know what yeah, I mean it's just yeah. it's tough right but yeah okay hearts stay fine though they just barely yeah, though. No, like that, it, they I will say this the outlaws uh, to me beat the bulldogs by leaps and bounds I agree I think mm-hmm. they were much more important yeah okay so we have done it folks we are getting there. Wow. All right, let's run it down here. At number one, still Demolition. Just, num- just barely. And number say. two, yeah, I'd say barely the Heart Foundation, but they did it. Number three, the New Age Outlaws. This is such Woo! a this top three. So close. It's a big one. And yeah. the Bulldogs deserving of the number four spot. It's yeah. a great top four. Number five, LOD. Number six, the Hardy Boys. Seven, the Dudley Boys. And number eight, the Brain Busters. Folks, let us know your rankings. You do that on Twitter. You can do it on the group. But Quinn, when we come back... It's not just what the world is watching. It's what the universe is watching. That's right. It is the UWF. And we are reviewing that right after this. Hello, wrestling fans. It's Joe here. And while we're on a break, I just wanted to take a moment to shout out three friends of the show. Check out the New Day podcast. Hosted by three guys that have actually worked in the actual wrestling business. I'm talking about Xavier Woods, Kofi Kingston, and Big E. They're going to bring their unique perspective as fans, but also as people that actually work in the industry to a very creative and entertaining podcast. New Day Podcast. And then check out Greetings from Allentown, hosted by one man, Peter Winston. He'll take you on a whimsical journey through retro wrestling's past. It's unique. It's quirky. It's Greetings from Allentown. And finally, if you like your retro wrestling slathered in barbecue sauce, check out Mike Mills and Book in the Territory as they bring you the very best in the Southern Fried Wrestling. We're talking about Smoky Mountain and the NWA. It's Book in the Territory. So again, our three friends of the show. The New Day Podcast. Greetings from Allentown and booking the territory. Oh my God, look at that. A dumpster. Oh my God, where have I seen this before? This can only mean one thing, of course. Cactus Jack Chainsaw Charlie WrestleMania 14 is right around the corner. And I can assure you it's a nice day out here today. But I can assure you, WrestleMania 14 will spell nothing but disaster. <laughs> you know, Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie, even though hardcore wrestling is right up our alley, you two are getting on our last nerves. You see, we've hit you two blithering idiots with everything but the kitchen sink. But I promise you this, Mama James, the plumbing's coming down because I'm bringing the sink to Boston. When me and B-A-double-D-A-double crooked letter leave the fleet center, we won't only leave with this gold still around our way, but we'll probably leave with two scalps of two hardcore fossils. Meet us at WrestleMania. Hi, this is Jameson. Remember me? Yeah, me neither. 
You're listening to Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. It's the best. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to Our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for being with us, guys, here on episode number 177. Quinn. Yes. UWF. UWF. The Universal Wrestling Federation. The, the universe. Now, this has been a hot topic uh, as of late because of the dark side of the ring, obviously, Herb Abrams. Yeah, that's that's a true statement. Um, a true it's story. a hot documentary that came out yep. uh, in a series of a, a show that I feel like has covered OVP's greatest hits this yeah, season. In a lot of ways, like, right? Dino yeah. Bravo. Yeah, stuff was, like that. Some other stuff. But yeah, it's all things that we've talked extensively yep. about. And I guess this inspired us to return to the Universal Wrestling Federation. Ooh, it's been a long time. I always say we're never doing it again, but I guess never say never. Without getting into the long and, sh- you know, the whole thing here, Herb Abrams was some kind of a. Uh, Businessman, <laughs> sold now, women's it, apparel. Piece of garbage. Apparently, yeah, he owned like really high end women's dresses or something. Yes. That's apparently what it was. Had a lot of money. Spent a lot of money. Spent a lot of money. Grew up a wrestling fan in New York, and decided in 1990, you know, that he was just going to take on Vince McMahon and the World Wrestling yeah, Federation. Screw this women's clothing <laughs> thing. We're going to beat Vince McMahon. And what, he, what a what a jump. <laughs> Despite not ever having promoted wrestling, been a wrestler, been in the wrestling business, anything of that nature, he's like, no, I'm doing it. But he watched Championship on Saturdays, I guess. Yeah, so, I don't know. So I guess we could, too, yeah. right? We could take on Vince. I yeah, Let's start a promotion tomorrow. Okay, no um, problem. We need a lot of drugs or okay, something. Okay, we need yeah. a lot of drugs, Yeah, like Herbie had. Now, he is a very colorful figure in wrestling's history because of his... Well, a lot of different things about him, I guess. Right. And again, we're not getting into a lot of Herbie, but... He liked the drugs and he liked the women. Yes. Herb Abrams left this world doing what he loved. Cocaine and hookers. He's a hot spender. Yeah, but big, also big bucks. I guess didn't pay people or something. Yeah. Oh, like a wrestling promoter. So right, he had yeah. that part down. Right. And he used the UWF name, which had been previously used in the mid-80s by one Bill Watts, right? <laughs> which is even you know, funnier. You know what I think is, the thing about the UWF that's always weird to me, is that on top of, like, taking every WF guy it could possibly find, yep. and which all he this, did do. and basically ripping off anything it could rip off, yep. is that it also, even the name is ripped off something. Even the like, name is ripped off, uh, yeah. yes, when Bill Watts switched the name of Mid-South to Universal Wrestling Federation, right? Right. In the mid-80s, but they had gone under, they were bought up by Crockett, I think in 87. So, Herbie uses that as the name. Now, the roster that he was able to put together is impressive I in terms say, of name value. I can't believe he was able to get these people, but, again... If you watch that documentary, the, the the promise of the money that Herb was talking yeah. about and that he actually did have, but didn't yeah. really use, didn't use. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, this federation, folks, if you've never seen some of the shows, they're bad. Oh, they're uh, hard. I'm not going to yeah. sugarcoat it. They're really bad. Oh, they're. <laughs> I mean, it is like kind of the imagination of a guy on drugs. Yeah, like no, the, it really is. The, it, it feels that way. It feels like that's what's being presented. Right. But I'll give Herb credit. He had a TV deal for a period of time. He got them on pay-per-view. He had How? merchandise. All these things, I'm, I, my mind is boggled. And it just makes me wonder if it's just because the industry wasn't as big, so the barriers weren't as great. So if you just, Good point. I don't know, if you had a couple million dollars in the bank, you could really do whatever the hell you wanted. Possibly, you yeah. Know? He got them on Sports Channel, which is a pretty reputable network. Right. 
in theory, the Federation existed from 90 to 96. In theory. Uh, the reason I say that is because their, their TV deal expired, I guess, in 91 or 92. And like, after, like, a year. Yeah, and, and to fill out some of the time, I believe he leased footage from, like, some women's wrestling or something like that. And then they promoted a few shows, uh, Blackjack Brawl and, and Beach Brawl and things like that. And Herbie himself died in the summer of 96, the mm-hmm. infamous story with the cocaine and all that. And the Nobody really bat. knows the Nobody truth. Nobody really knows. Had a heart attack. Yeah, I, I don't know. Which aspects, I, I think some uh, or a lot of them are true, but uh, nobody knows the circumstances or it, right. to this day. To this day, correct. Yeah. Everywhere we go, you, you get a Herb Abrams story, you know, and uh, some are better than others. Some are true. Some you don't know what to believe. One thing about Herb, though, is that everyone seemed to really like him, even though he uh, was a little shady with the money. Everyone seemed to like the guy. Yeah, that was the big takeaway for me watching the new information that I've received about the UWF yes. is that. As mu- as crazy as he was, and some people were even afraid he of him because he was so crazy. Just off the, yeah, just off but, the chain. But man. at the end, they all loved him all at the same time. They were like, "He's the best." Yeah, like, just he, a contagious personality, right? Weird, really weird. Even the people that he didn't pay loved him. Yeah, like, he's, like, <laughs> like he's the best. Right. Like. <laughs> I think he was just always trying to prove himself, or always wanted to be liked, or always wanted to be somebody to be respected. But we all respected him, and we all liked him. But his wrestling sucked, and that's what we're going to do today. So if you want to find this on YouTube, be my guest. You can watch it along with us and share in the misery. Quinn, it is UWF's Greatest Wrestling Champions, a VHS cassette. Yeah, I'm not sure what the hell this is going to be. I mean, it's not like the UWF Championship was great. Did anybody even have it? Like, seriously. I don't know. I think about it now, and I don't think I've ever seen a UWF Championship match. I don't think I have either. I've seen that stupid belt. That white belt? That says F-U when you (laughs) fold it over or whatever. Yep. So this is a VHS cassette, folks, that's on YouTube. UWF's Wrestling's Greatest Champions, and we open here with a... Best Film and Video Corp logo. Well, that's not true if you're making this. <laughs> it seems like something... Even the logo is cheap. It seems like something Herb just made up. Yeah, oh, yeah. It... Call it Best Film and Video. We're going to call this the Best <laughs> Movie Company. That's the name of it. Like, yeah, you know, exactly. Like right before that or after it. <laughs> and then we get the classic UWF logo here. So we see a bunch of black and white footage while a very bad voiceover. He says UWF is just like the way wrestling used to be. You know, tradition, fundamentals, the essentials of showmanship. The way professional wrestling used to be. That's been the foundation and formula of the Universal Wrestling Federation. Please stop. It's nothing like the EWF. <laughs> I know. It all began in the summer of 1990, and then we see a clip of Herbie in a white suit before pictures are flying in of various UWF people, such as Lou Albano. Yep, that noted traditionalist, oh, yeah. Lou Albano. <laughs> Ivan Koloff, Bob Backlund, uh, Juan Valdez, Franklin Pierce, Curly, I don't know. <laughs> but now the UWF is ready to break from the pack. As we see clips from a shitty ballroom and like <laughs> break from the all pack, these man. like areas that are a smattering of people there. Yeah. And then we see poorly executed power moves and also like Terry Gordy stomping someone. Uh, then we get a hard cut, and I mean hard, to the UWF intro. That was horrible. This is, all the cutting is bad. Awful, folks. This is some of the worst editing. <laughs> and I really hope that Herb is hosting this. And then we get another hard cut. Again, what is this editing? Like, what the hell were they thinking with this? Did somebody actually, like, literally cut the VHS tape and tape it together? Like, that's what these cuts look it's like. terrible. As a red screen says, the Universal Wrestling Federation presents... 
greatest champions. And then we cut to a freeze frame of Herb Abrams while he's doing a voiceover. All right, wrestling fans, this is Herb Abrams of the UWF bringing you nonstop wrestling action. Why couldn't they just film him? <laughs> I don't get what this it's is. Incredible, right? Yeah. They, 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 these are just pre-recorded voiceovers <laughs> over stuff. Yeah. Like and they couldn't even find a clip of like Herb just in the ring or something, right. like walking around, maybe saying something with a mic, just so it would like at least sort of make sense instead of just a freeze frame of him it's with like her they, being like UWF is good. Yeah, it's like they hit pause on the other VCR. Yeah, and he did a voiceover. What it's is, ridiculous. And first up here, we're going to see the AWA heavyweight champion Larry Zabisco. Come on, like, that's no. I don't want to start this way. And then we get he oh. sucks. Like you know that. Like he's notably bad. <laughs> we got. We get a hard cut to ringside. Is this something I edited in the 90s? Like, what is this? Before you had, like, the ability to just do it in a software. (laughs) Like, that's what I'm saying. Somebody's literally cutting and scotch taping the VHS (laughs) tape together. First up, AWA champ Larry Zabisco. You heard right. Dr. Death, Steve Williams will be in New York City. Uh, Larry enters the casino, I'm assuming. I don't Mm -hmm. know. I'm just playing the odds. No pun intended. As Bruno Sammartino. And Herb Abrams are on commentary. First of all, I just got to say here, I love that Bruno, Mr. Like, fuck Vince McMahon, Vince stinks. I don't yeah. like Vince. He stinks. Vince. He's hooks up with Herb. Like, who the hell knows what this guy is doing, right? This guy is, <laughs> I, listen, as, as shady as Vince can be, Herb is on another level of shady. Uh, and like, wackiness, right? Yeah, I yeah. mean, God. Larry Zabisco, two wonderful Herb Bonds. I'm very familiar with this guy, yeah. Yeah, this real traditional company and like a fucking piss stink casino. Yeah. Good job, Bruno. Anyway, Larry Zabisco's opponent is the bulldozer. Ooh. I don't know. Oh, I literally God. don't know. <laughs> these Some of these jobbers oh, in this, all, I've never heard of in my life. What a way to kick this off, yeah. right? Uh, of course, Bruno talks about the feud with Zabisco because God forbid we don't bring this feud up. <sighs> yeah, we know their history. We know the yard, <laughs> yeah. all that. Like Bruno's yard. Bruno's yard. <laughs> bulldozer has like a skin tight white t shirt and red pants on. He's basically the fat guy from Pee Wee Herman. It's like Big Adventure, yes. you know, his nemesis, the one in the sh- tub. It's real. And he's all fat. Like, he looks exactly like him. He does. He looks like Chris Farley or something. He looks like the fat guy that blows fire in Streets of Rage 2. Remember? Because he's wearing <laughs> yeah. red pants and yeah. a white shirt. Like, oh, it's God. the same thing. Big Ben, I think his name I is. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, Bruno says the policy of the UWF is it don't matter who. Real, yeah, well, that's, real catchy. That, that's very true, too. <laughs> the, the, whoever we can get. <laughs> Uh, so Larry, of course, does his usual 17-minute stall to start. Come on, this tape is only 40 minutes. Can they just wrestle? <laughs> like, really? 40 minutes and we're going to... I swear he spent like a minute just walking around being Larry and just annoying. <laughs> it's just terrible. Uh, Bruno and Herb now decide to play Gorilla Monsoon on commentary and talk about how the bulldozer... He has to be more than 250 pounds because Larry's only 245. Bulldozer is fat. We get it. <laughs> and then Bruno... Being Bruno says Zabisco is in great shape. And he isn't, by the way. <laughs> no. And then Herb is like, David San Martino has just appeared at ringside. And it is David, but he looks like an entirely different person from 1985. Yeah, he looks like a mutant, but also younger. He does look younger. Be, he could be both those things. <laughs> a younger mutant version of younger David. Younger mutant David. Uh, still no wrestling happening, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's uh, finally a forearm by Bulldozer, but Larry avoids a corner splash. <laughs> and then a body slam by Larry gets the win. What the hell? Why was this? on greatest champions tape seriously and he's the awa champion yeah what is this i don't know like what? he literally came in as the awa is champion even uwf championship matches at all on this tape 
Let's find out, yeah. Quinn. <laughs> so David San Martino leaves. Can I leave? Uh, yeah. We get a Larry chant from some of the crowd. As we film Larry just standing around. It's real. What <sighs> a great tape, huh? Don't worry. Another hard cut now to Greg Valentine. Oh, here he is. America's favorite soccer mom. <laughs> there must be a very good reason that this is where the very best talent in professional wrestling is today, Bruno. No doubt about it. Hey, UWF, the greatest organization of professional wrestling today, and that is why Greg the Hammer Valentine is standing here right now. And he's making his debut tonight on this videotape, I guess. <laughs> it's always tonight on <laughs> they, this tape. Yeah, they didn't even try to like change anything yeah. with the commentary. He must have literally just left the WWF the first though, shot point. right after. Yeah, because he was there in 91. He yeah. was there in, in the 92. I but guess so. Hard cut to Valentine entering the ring where Bruno is now with... Craig to George because of course how is that even real? <laughs> oh, Greg Valentine, <laughs> um, in a miniature tennis stadium or <laughs> yeah. what, whatever that is. I'm in a ping pong stadium. <laughs> squeak squeak. <laughs> Everyone boos, which Craig naturally calls a standing ovation for Valentine. Uh, Bruno talks about how Killer Kowalski is at ringside somewhere. Shut up! Nobody nobody cares. I know. No, like, literally, no one. Killer cares. Kowalski is so irrelevant by this point. I'm time, sorry, he is. Other than bringing Triple H to us. <laughs> That's true. Valentine's opponent is uh, Sonny Blaze, if you care. What a dumpy name, by the way. <laughs> Sonny Blaze. Yes, Sonny Blaze. Because I'm thinking I've of Sonny of Beach, not Sonny Blaze. <laughs> yeah, Sonny Beach is, is in that uh, UWF thing. Right. There's, they're the, both, they both are. A lot of sun. Uh, side highlight by Blaze, hip toss by Valentine, and Bruno is now calling moves with Craig, so just fuck the commentary, man. Mm-hmm. Side headlock. He did it well. You know, this, uh, okay, let's see, he's going to shoot him into center rope as Blaze comes off hip toss. Chopped by Valentine's side headlock, push off by Blaze, a horrible drop down, and some kind of a knee lift by Valentine. By the way, this is a jobber match on a compilation tape. Again? <laughs> Again? Yeah, greatest champions. Oh my goodness. Big chop by Valentine as Bruno says, look at the chest of Sonny Blaze, he's leaving the marks. And Craig's like, oh, you might say a Blaze. Real, real experts of banter, these two, yeah. aren't they? <laughs> what a terrible team. <laughs> Bad. Vertical suplexo dropped by Valentine, few elbow drops there. As Hammer signals for the figure four to actually a good reaction, but Blaze kicks off. Just get on with it. Like, <laughs> please. He, he, like, stalls so much on this figure four. I'm like, really? It's this doesn't... Yeah, enough. <laughs> Valentine works the thighs here. What is he, Suzanne Summers? A few times before clamping on the figure four to get the win. Thrilling. Well, at least it was short. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few fans, and I mean a few, chant Hammer, which Craig is like, oh, the fans are howling here. <laughs> By the way, the ref looked like a salesman for the Foreman Grill. Like, <laughs> what? what? I just looked like somebody that'd be trying to sell me, like, it's like, and get the Foreman Grill, like, you know, like, or, so, you know, one of those, like, Ron Popeil products or <laughs> the just, referee was just Ron Popeil actually right, yeah it's just like he looked like a QVC salesman or something <laughs> if you call now yeah. uh, quick shot now and Nikolai Volkov in the audience with his shitty red suit you know the he, same suit he really did only have that one suit it's like incredible right, <laughs> I know, right? Like, uh, insane the same one why is he there I, I just, just to say that he was because he's not doing anything in WF. True, yeah. yeah. And then another hard cut that's becoming a theme here to a crappy graphic of Ivan Koloff. Yes, Ivan Koloff and Steve Wild Thing Ray. It's kind of odd they were banking on Ivan Koloff in like the early 90s. It seems way too late for him. Yeah, true. Like, I, to me, his like farewell run is the 80s. What, like the late, the late 80s yes. with Nikita, right? That's, Not, I agree. Why is he still like wrestling like he's just normally wrestled? <laughs> yeah, just, I, I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs> right. like, I'm Nothing on the title here. in like the 60s. <laughs> it's like, what the? Well, 71, to be fair. Sorry. Yeah, and well, actually. The edge of the 60s. Pretty whatever. much. Uh, so we see Ivan entering the ring now. 
with Herb doing an obvious voiceover while dubbed in cheers are in the background along with this really happy song. Coming down the aisle, the Russian bear Ivan Koloff doing that Russian march. I wonder what song they could have been editing. Who knows? Because there is licensed music later. There is, but I'm wondering if they were just contacted by whomever. They're like, you can't. Their lawyers were like, don't do that. (laughs) It's really bad, folks. And then a hard cut to Koloff cutting a promo now about how Steve Ray is American and blonde and therefore he sucks. Fuck you. I have more experience. It's basically the promo. (laughs) It's like, like you're going to slip on your toe because you don't know how to turn. It's like, shut up. Like, seriously. And then we cut to Steve Wild Thing Ray entering, and he's basically Shawn Michaels 1988. Yeah, he's a dork. He's a dork. <laughs> he, he really is like minor league Shawn Michaels. Seriously. And he, he's in the dark side of the ring, and he seems like a really nice guy. Oh, yeah. I he mean, has no like haughty attitude about himself. And Sonny Beach was, too, actually. Yes, and he was nice, too. There was a lot of guys. I felt like the one thing about that documentary on an aside is it seemed like everyone who worked for her was like they were never that big time but, no. so they were kind of grounded in like they were just normal people <laughs> yeah like Sunny Beach and uh, Steve Ray they're not like oh we were the best thing ever no, they're, they're like I wasn't like, good we liked wrestling <laughs> yeah. so we became wrestlers yeah, that's like, all and, it, and is. it was a fun time in our lives right, like, right you know what I mean that's like what I felt about it which we can appreciate that yeah. right Bruno and Craig on commentary again hard cut to Steve Ray cutting a hideous awful promo just like yelling and spinning around man he's so wild wild thing the most generic shit ever (laughs) this is like something my friends would call themselves in like a fake backyard fed (laughs) like because you know why Why? because you can easily get a cd of the song wild thing and then you can come out to it i'm not kidding this is what point and that's exactly what this jabroni does here i wonder if the hardys did that in their backyard fed there had to be somebody called wild thing had to be right so generic back to the ring now where the crowd is chanting usa the ring skirt i swear looks like an old pool cover <laughs> super kick by Ray called a drop kick by Craig of course uh, Koloff with a wrist lock which Bruno calls an arm bar so Bruno might not know a wrist lock from a wrist lock. isn't he a wrestler should he know the names of these moves I just think he's a poor commentary it's not that he doesn't know it's that he can't on a quickly like on a dime be like that's that move or whatever it makes Lord Alfred even more better isn't yeah. it more better you sure don't know how to talk goodly you universal wrestling fuckhead uh, roll up by Ray gets two. Uh, next week on this videotape, Lou Albano is going to be interviewing Honky Tonk Man. I can't wait. How do we watch this? Why? Wait, this is why you don't leave this shit. In right. Like, this is why you have Mooney and Hayes dub it over. Right. See? Exactly. Like now you're like, well, what if? What if you're like literally a fan of this and you're like, well, I want to see Honky Donkey. How do I do that? And yeah, then right. like you know, yeah. like, but you, they don't tell you. Right. Because it's a videotape. Right. Because it happened months ago. Right. Lock up in the crowd chants boring, and they quickly cut to some other part of the match where Bruno is referencing a two-count that we didn't get to see. This has been a very good match for both. Them up beautifully, but you got a two-count. And you scroll off with that big boot. They edited out the I didn't boring even notice chant, I didn't did. I didn't even notice it's that. Real. It's real funny. <laughs> Snapmare by Koloff is called a neckbreaker by Craig. Head scissors by Koloff on the mat. And the uh, crowd, uh, assembly, congregation, the few people there, all they're, they're just hooting and hollering stupid shit the whole time. Do you blame <laughs> them? <laughs> You blend, they're no. just trying to have fun here. They're just trying to gamble. Yeah, whatever this yeah, is. Whatever this, like, literally, these people are like, this sucks. And like they're just like, let's have fun in the crowd. It's like the equivalent to the wave at WrestleMania 6. <laughs> yeah, good during point. During that DBS headlock. <laughs> Call off with a boot in the corner, and he gingerly heads all the way up top, but stops to look at the wall where the fans would normally be. <laughs> but he hurts his balls. And that wild thing wilds up yeah. or something. Real, I don't... 
real fiery comeback here. He's so wild, Quinn. He's the wildest. <laughs> the wild man. Uh, he hits a hideous flying clothesline for two. Corner whip by right. Uninspired stinger splash. Well, at least this is a match, unlike yeah. the last two. True. Good point. Ivan's able to sneak in his chain, though, which was laying in the corner. Nail Ray with it and get the win. How did the ref not see that? It seems like he'd be, like, on the take to be <laughs> yeah. on. Like, is that what the angle is here? It's, like, so obvious. <laughs> yeah, but did the ref have something in his eye? How did he not catch that? It was just very Danny Davis to the point where <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, the ref's evil or something. Because right, he right. also looked, like, bigger or more husky or something. And I was husk. like, maybe he was a wrestler. Maybe. I don't know. The crowd's happy because it's over. Bruno says Ray has nothing to be ashamed of. I don't know. Maybe except his hair, clothes, and wrestling ability. Mm-hmm. And wow, really putting over the new stars here, huh? <laughs> yeah. I remember specifically Ray on that dark side of the ring. is like, they believed in me. And yeah. then like, you see this. You're like, no, we did. <laughs> no, did, they didn't. Did they? No. Uh, sudden jump cut now to Cactus Jack tossing Don this? Morocco this, out of the this ring. This cut, Joe, <laughs> right? was so sudden. Right, well, I'm saying here's where I had my chain. I had it strapped up. Nonsense. We saw differently. And then Herbie butts in with a voiceover, and there's this horrible loop of girls screaming under him before we cut to Cactus making his entrance. And seriously, it's like Beatlemania <laughs> while like Herb is talking. It's so poor. I swear he might have taken it from like the Beatles. Like what was it uh, the, in 1964 when they what was the came movie? The US? What was the movie? Hard called? Day's Night. They just took it from Hard Day's Night and just looped it. It's this horrible loop of girls screaming. It's terrible. Probably on, folks. Like a talk boy. They just recorded it from the TV into the microphone. Yeah, yeah. like behind Herb's holding it up as he's talking that's probably might have been what could you would you put it past i them? wouldn't yeah uh, mick already doesn't have his two front teeth here as he enters to welcome to the jungle which is a good song for him yeah i dig that i actually. like that that was a nice touch here. i'm gonna say ahead of time this is the best thing on the whole tape yeah match. which isn't saying much Queen, yeah. but it is i agree with you and then we get some hideous music cutting in way too loud as morocco is introduced from and coming down the aisle one of wrestling's greatest superstars here at the uwf Don the Rock Morocco. Herb's budding in with a voiceover. It's all overdubbed. Don Morocco has like a mini mullet. It's nice that he's all fat as he should be. Yeah, you know? it's true. I, I, I'm like, no, this is the Don Morocco I've signed up. Not the strong man one. He looks like Tootie from Goodfellas yeah, or something I, like I that. I want this fat asshole. Like, that's the one. He's the best version. I, like, I do like him. Yeah. Bruno and Craig are in like mid conversation, by the way, by the time the fake music cuts off. <laughs> That's true, uh, Craig, but remember the last time these two guys faced each other. And the referee, I shit you the hell not, is Dick Kroll. It's 100% Tall Dick. <laughs> tall Dick from WWF. I, and this isn't his first appearance. On, no. it's, it, or this is his first appearance, but he's going to be yeah. he's like the rest of the team. How'd they rope him into this? I don't know. How, when was the last time he refed? I think he was there until like 90 in WWF. Oh, really? Yeah. I, thought he, I thought he'd been gone for like two or three years. I think only in New York, okay. though. Uh, but anyway, lock up an eye gouge by Morocco. Some horrible camera work, by the way. It's very shady camera work. Corner whip by Morocco, but Cactus with the clothesline out of the corner. As Bruno Monsoon over here goes on about the weights again. He won't stop about the weight. He he has been talking. I don't think we've talked about it enough how he just <laughs> will not shut up about weight the whole time. And that's like the most Bruno thing. He was like that in WF, too. Yeah. Oh, look at him. I think he put on a couple of pounds there, Ben. See, See, like I don't the- care how much he weighs. 
I don't. What is he, Art Donovan? Like, I know. He should have teamed with Art Donovan on commentary, oh God, that w- we, and then all Art's wishes would have been fulfilled. We would have been talking about body weight all King of the Ring 94 <laughs> if that was the case. Like, all of it. Well, the Tonka, though. I think you can make uh, 260 pounds. You know, I once gained a pound or two from eating a sandwich. Like, say, shut up. Baloney. Uh, front face left by Cactus. Morocco backs him in the corner. In case anyone cares, by the way, Morocco is technically the face, but the fans seem okay with Cactus also. They like both of them, actually. They like both they're, of them. They're actually rooting for both. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're probably all high, anyway. Yeah. Morocco bails out as Dick Kroll just half-assedly counts. Cactus stands around stupidly looking for something to hit Morocco with before snapping him off the ropes. They brawl in the bourbon-stained cigarette-burned carpet. Cactus wanders away for no discernible reason, all the way up to the elevator no, he's gotta area. Get, he's gotta get stuff, Joe. Yeah, he grabs a rubber garbage can. <laughs> he nails Morocco with it, gets back in the ring. Somehow, Kroll is still counting. It's been like a 43 count. I don't know what Kroll he's doing. Kroll can make it work. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. just like, yeah, whatever. He's an old vet. Yeah. Flying elbow off the ring apron by Cactus, but Morocco moves and then puts the garbage can on Cactus. Bruno is all amused by that surprisingly, <laughs> yeah. like Mr. Traditionalist. Yeah. He's like, ha ha, he put it on his head. <laughs> I think even Craig makes like a joke. It's like, oh, he's stinky now or something. <laughs> oh, like, he smells now. Yeah. Oh, I have a garbage can in my yard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bruno, like, I'm surprised he likes this so much. Yeah, I am too. Yeah. Paychecks, man. Gotta think, get a paycheck. Or he's like not the traditionalist we think. He just likes wrestling. <laughs> Maybe. Like, it's not that he wants it to be traditional as much as like he wants it to just be like carny style. He hates Vince McMahon. Yeah. That's for sure. That's pretty much all it is. Yeah. He tosses Cactus into the ring post, though, uh, but Cactus gets out of the way. They start pressing R on the outside in the grapple uh, battle mm-hmm. here. And then Cactus picks up a random narrow table, whacks Morocco with it before wrapping the tablecloth around him. This was neck. amusing. Um, even Craig's, oh, and he's got the tablecloth around him. <laughs> Not so much the table. Yeah, what, what's next? A placemat? Yeah. Dick Kroll apparently is just fine with all this, by the way. He doesn't care. I, he literally doesn't he's care. He's here to, like, whenever they told him the end of the match would be, yeah. that's all he's here to do. <laughs> he's just waiting for the finish, right? right yeah. Uh, back in in a crappy cover by Cactus gets one random sleep by Morocco, which is called a headlock by Craig. <laughs> Cactus jawbreakers out though. Lands a side Russian leg sweep as Coach wanders out. Ugh, coach, yes, Coach. That Coach, not Craig T. Nelson. <laughs> coach, the shitty manager. All you fans hate so much. John Tolos. He does suck though. He, like, he's um, not good. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is again. This is just. Uh, well, we got him. Yep, like, we got like, him. Who cares? Who cares? He was wasn't even, over? Actually, he wasn't even in WF yet. For him to have no, a name. He's morphing into Coach. Like, he's yeah. starting to wear the hat and the sweatshirt, but he's not Coach yet. I didn't yet. even think about that. Yeah, I thought they were, like, yet. grabbing him from WF. They're grabbing him from the- wherever the hell he had been, you know? Yeah. But anyway, he uh, helps Cactus into the ring. We get some kicks by Morocco, but now Cactus has the ref. Tolo slants some grandpa punches on Morocco. Can this end, though? Craig says Morocco just wrote down T-O-L-O-S on his scorecard. What score? What is, is he that said? supposed to be witty? Does what does that mean? Does he have a pen What is he talking about? No. Ten punches by Cactus, but Morocco interrupts at four with an inverted atomic drop here. Can I just say it's weird that Morocco is like face in the indies? Always. Yeah. He's always a face, right? Yeah, but that's not... The, <laughs> see, the thing is, is people in the indies like him for his heel run in 83, basically. Yeah, essentially. In his New York work, yep. Yeah, it's like weird that they were like, he's face here. <laughs> yeah, like, why isn't he eating bologna sandwiches and like, while well, he's beating the shit out of people? Is it because when he left WWF, he was a face? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Did he go back to regular fat Morocco at the end of no. his run? No, he was just like, I'm the rock, and yeah. then I'm gone. Yep, pretty much. Hmm. Double headbutt here, and then the bell randomly rings. 
And the announcers, this is a real professional operation. The announcers yeah. like, we don't know what happened. What happened here? I don't know what happened. <laughs> right. I don't blame them if they're just watching the tape. <laughs> and Bruno's like, Craig, I think it was a 10-minute time limit. We'll have to find out what happened. What is this shit? Do they even tell us? No, because Herb interrupts again to say that Don Morocco is now going to be taking on Terry Gordy, which I don't want to see. Okay, and you know what I think happened here? I think that the uh, time, this was a 10-minute time. Oh, yes, you're right. So I think at the time, let's see, as we'll have to hear from the... Uh, Officially by the announcer, but that's I'm sure it's going to happen. One of wrestling's greatest champs, Don Morocco, will now take on Terry Bam Bam Gordy. Seriously, what is this tape? Like, it's so half-assed. It is. It's terrible. Horrible. Craig says this is the feature match on whatever taping this was, as Gordy makes his entrance to, like, a few claps. through like, a capacity crowd of, like, 72 people. I'm not... I don't think I'm... I'm, Am I exaggerating that number? No, it's bad. That seems like about... The, the right exact number. It's the amount of people that it would be like a family reunion or something. We could like run an OVP convention that would have more people. We could it. draw I, this crowd. I yes. think we could. I think we could draw over a hundred people. I possibly. think we could. I and, really and think we, we could. Herb just on our name value, yeah. which is not anything. Uh, Herb has to butt in again during Morocco's entrance again. The overdone music. He references some steel cage match that we have no idea what happened. Hard clip back to Craig, who is in mid sentence. The editing is just stellar on this. <laughs> Big rights by Morocco. He slams Gordy into the corner. Bruno's still there. So is Dick Kroll, by the way. That's weird. Crummy pile driver by Gordy. This is the Terry Gordy, by the way, the free bird. But the real one. The real deal. But Morocco gets a foot on the ropes. The lighting, by the way, here is terrible. So are the acoustics. It all sucks. I can't get over how shitty the crowd is. <laughs> it's like, poor. There's like, there's like a hard camera view at some point where like it's like the whole front area, right? Yeah. The one that's like very visible is literally half filled like yeah. one side there's people and other sides just empty chairs on hard cam on hard camera that's they like a no no like move yeah. the people over yeah. there <laughs> it's true like oh you get these good seats now like that it's really easy actually I, I think there's bigger audience for tapings of Ron Popeil's infomercials in all seriousness I mean that's the kind of people they got working here so <laughs> Morago with a backdrop on a second pile driver attempt he then hits his reverse pile driver badly but doesn't go for the cover this stinks it does stink and then steve dr death williams storms in wearing sneakers and he punches morocco my boy <laughs> and it's like japanese track suit by the like best you, wrestle you know, ever your best you wrestle all over the world my greatest baby boy so good it could have been the world champion wwf no steve one, austin no one ever thought that like they're talking about that in that brawl for all he's like one. 40 and nobody gives a shit yeah, by then speaking of dark side of the <laughs> yeah, ring the brawl for all one where they're like dr death was the greatest wrestler to ever live and he was going to be a big star and then fucking brawl for all ruined his yeah. career those assholes no one would have cared yeah i'm sorry the attitude era, I'm, I'm not saying that he wasn't a good wrestler i'm not saying that he wasn't talented but in the wwf in 1998 or nine nobody would have cared he's literally like a big waste of time <laughs> thank you by the way, Quinn, what a great videotape to spend money on, huh? Oh, this has I, been stellar. <laughs> I don't even... I wonder how much this costs. I'm too much. Yeah. Whatever it was, unless it was free with the purchase of, like, an English muffin, it was too much money, okay? Maybe they gave it away on those, like, really cheap tapes where there's not even, like, a lot of tape on, right. the, on the VHS. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Good time zone video style. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, this is best video, don't forget. Mm-hmm. They beat down Morocco for a while, as I'm hoping that someone, anyone, makes the save and makes this interesting. It's going on way too long, and literally, like, maybe 10 people care. Dr. Death won't stop all his, like, shitty stomps. It's terrible, it's right? Like, I'm about, it's like fucking Mario All-Stars or whatever. All you hear are, like, uh, yeah. uh, in the in the background. The PA sounds like it's the fucking MTA announcer. Last stops the caucus junction. <laughs> Bruno's just rambling on it. I don't know. 
And Craig's like, here's Dr. Death, who still will not go away. Yeah, I mean, get out of here. Yeah, right? And then a couple of UWF, like, Stafford dorks haul Morocco out of there as we again hard cut to Herbie hyping up the last match. Featuring Ivan Koloff again. And then Herb spoils the ending of this match. He immediately was like, oh, and Bob Backlund interfered with the end. <laughs> yeah, like, and you're like, why? Why? I, I, now I don't have to watch the rest of this. Right. So uh, Colonel Red, Ivan's manager, he's apparently, allegedly, some USSR manager. This was the guy. Mm-hmm. Quinn. Yep, this is the guy on Dark Side of the Ring. He basically got all scared when Herb <laughs> stormed in, like the first time they ever met, right? Yep. He got Herb like a Herb got him like a hotel, like a really nice two bedroom hotel. Like, the 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 penthouse suite, yep. everything. This guy shows up. He's never been in a room like this. He's like floored, right? Yep. And he's so happy. All nice. He's he's a, he's a very nice man, right? I know he's got a stupid gimmick and mullet, but like yeah. he, he's just a he's a regular old guy, right? Yep. So he gets this. He's like, this is great or whatever, right? Yeah. And then Herb like storms in his room with a bag of cocaine and two hookers yep. and this guy's like he's like i never broke the law in my life yeah. and he's like i got the shit was scared out of me i just like sat in a corner and like watched her do this like hoping he would like leave <laughs> like like it's like such an amazing what a fucking disaster right. uwf was like if that's like literally your first meeting of herb you're like a regular guy that lives in From like the south I, or I don't even know he i think he said actually he was working in like portland or something yeah he's from south carolina though right. i think yeah and he didn't the, nothing like this had ever happened no. to him and he was just like a nice man yes and you storm into his room with a bag of cocaine that's and your hooker. boss yeah that's your boss and you're amazing he's like i i my favorite comment from him is like i wanted to call the cops but the hotel, hotel was, was in my, my name, name. <laughs> yeah and that's like i didn't know what to do it's great right <laughs> yeah uh, so he's the manager of ivan koloff koloff's opponent is i have no idea because they don't say for a long time so colonel red who's uh definitely not russian or soviet in any way he gets on the mic and he hickly calls out lou albano he's like ah fat slob <laughs> well, it was kind of funny it's actually a, yeah for whatever reason Anyone calling Lou Albano a fat slob yes. never gets old. To me, it's it's the name you call yeah. fat Captain Lou. Since Vince McMahon in like the 70s, yeah. which is what you call him. Mm-hmm. I literally don't know, though, who Ivan is. Something Michaels. That's all I know. It's like a dweeb in army pants and a shitty haircut. Oh, God. Like it's a rat tail or yeah, something. It's, ba- it's very of the time. Very of the time. Yeah. But apparently he impresses Bruno with some leg shit because Bruno's like, nice move. Beautiful. He like <laughs> trips him like yeah. sort of impressively. Yeah. I've Never heard Bruno that happy yeah. ever. It's a great, great maneuver there. <laughs> yeah. Colonel Red looks like Greg the Hammer Turpentine, by the way. <laughs> Koloff tosses whoever this guy is out of the ring. Boring chance startup. Yep. Bruno calls to George Greg because no one cares what yeah. his name is. It doesn't. It really doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Nobody's going to watch this tape anyway. No. We're at the Hotel Pennsylvania, apparently, which is in New York for the record in Penn Plaza. Uh-huh. Don't be spinning neckbreaker by Koloff as Bruno waxes fondly about how Koloff used to be a lot bigger. He then talks about how when he turned 35, I went down from 275 to 250, but the biggest I ever was was 283 in 1968. Can he just stop talking <laughs> about weight? Serious, I don't care. And also, <laughs> what is he, Gorilla? Yeah, 440. 440. <laughs> Koloff with random choking and unimportant heel offense. This match is poor. Very poor. Triangle Sleeper gets the win for Koloff as he grabs the chain, nails Michaels with it, as Colonel Fat out there distracts the ref, even though the match is over, so why distract the ref? Craig is like, this is painful to watch. I agree. Yeah, he's right. The ref has had enough and knocks out Colonel Red. <laughs> the ref, yes. The ref. The ref's like, 
fuck off, <laughs> Colonel Red. <laughs> it's good. I actually dig Colonel Red now that like I know her the real like, life. In, yeah. in real life, I dig him selling for the rest. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I'm just like, yeah, you that, d- you're good, man. That was funny. And then Bob Backlund runs out dressed like he was waiting tables or something <laughs> like that. He wields a chair before we finally hear the jobber's name was Corporal Chris Michaels. Cool. Herb spoiled it already, so I literally don't <laughs> yeah, care. Well, like it's like I can't even believe he said, Oh, by the way, at the end, this is what like why is he trying to make people not press stop on the tape? It's a tape! It's, it's not it's, live! They also say it's the last match, so you literally can just hit the eject button what? at this point. The stop God. eject combo button or whatever. Yeah, well, that's a good combo. Yeah. Uh, Backlund checks on Corp as we cut to Herb hyping up the two-hour beach brawl. Also, there's a tape-out tag team tandem volume one. And then we get Herb's <laughs> iconic yelling over the oh, UWF of the Pentagon Sports Programming! And then some dork is like, what the universe is watching. Just a horrible <laughs> wrestling nerd joke. Just Ugh. inserted in this sort of professional product and yeah, just sort of I literally like busted out laughing when he said what the universe is watching. Just, like, come like, on. It's like literally it's it's like they took what Gene says what the world is watching yep. and just said universe instead it's just so bad really bad Ugh. copyright 1992 NGK Incorporated Quinn what'd you think seriously how the hell did this get made <laughs> the best thing on here was cactus versus Morocco and the rest was just a waste of fucking time awful tape I Huh? Just, I, this is the kind of tape that you literally hit the eject button and you never rewind because you're like, I'm never going to watch this again. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's like there's certain things you don't even waste the time rewinding. Like certain VHS. This is one of them. This is horrible in every conceivable way. It was a rotting sandwich under a car seat. It was a piece of shit that gets stuck to your ass hair. It's as satisfying as slamming your finger in a car door. It was like reading a calculus book upside down while on quaaludes. And it stunk too. This yeah, sucked. It stunk. This All was right. a terrible, terrible <laughs> presentation of it's, anything. It, everything Herb gives us, Joe. Right. Like everything. It's horrible. It's bad. I'm sorry. Maybe he was a visionary or something like that. But <laughs> his know. product, so the editing on this looks like he did it backwards or something. I don't know what this was. <laughs> Who bought this? <laughs> Nobody. I'm telling you, they gave this away at their shows where the six people were. They had to have. That's the only way this could have made it into anybody's hands. Who the hell is wasting money on a videotape by the UWF? And then imagine you're all excited, and then you get that you're used to the Coliseum video and very professional editing and the way. And then it's just jump cut after jump cut after jump cut. You know what? In fact, I should jump cut me to you. Um, I thought that things are cool and stuff. I was thinking the other day. And a pinfall attempt. Yeah. And that's what this was. It's just a mess. It was just a horrible mess. Girls screaming for no reason under horribly overdubbed synth music. I just hated it. It really was a piece, eh? It was a piece. And you know what? For all of that, I still like Herb Abrams. I know. There is something <laughs> oddly like... Listen, you can't deny that he's just like... This is so... He's just a fan. He went like, for this it, is man. Such a fan thing. It's like we're gonna beat Vince. It's like, <laughs> like literally, if you and me decided one day, this is what would happen. Like, if you and me said, you know what, we're gonna make a wrestling company. Yeah, like OVP Wrestling Company. Oh yeah, OVP and Wrestling. It's like we're gonna hire Greg Valentine. He's still alive. <laughs> he we're gonna get a, Craig DeGeorge. We know him. We, he's still around. We could even get Sean Mooney. We could. Yeah. See, With Craig DeGeorge and Sean Mooney oh, wow. commentary team. Wow. No what? moves would be called yeah, correctly. Yeah. Amazing. Um, <laughs> But yeah, uh, folks, if you want to check it out, it really is as bad as we say. I'm not kidding. Oh, this I'm not is, trying to be funny. It's on YouTube. You don't have to do any funny business to nope. get this because nobody's, I don't think Vince nobody's even, taking this down. Vince doesn't even own this. No one wants to own this. Yeah. <laughs> it's not worth it. It's more just on display to like, this is how you don't 
run a company. That, like, this <laughs> is how you not do it. Yep. But folks, thank you for being with us here as we've done it again for another week, romping you through the world and the universe of retro wrestling. Thank you guys so much for being a fan. Want to remind you to follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Please leave us a review on iTunes right now, Apple Podcasts if you have that. Leave us a review. We'd really appreciate that. And again, if you want all of the extra OVP stuff, you go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast. But Quinn, we will be back next week, Memorial Day, for another episode in the world of retro wrestling. Until that time, I'm Joe Murata, that's Michael Quinn, and we are out of here. See ya. I'd like to take this opportunity to mention some of the other great UWF video cassettes. The two-hour spectacular beach brawl, the steel cage match, the lumberjack match, and tag team tandem volume number one. UWF, the Universal Wrestling Federation, the pinnacle in sports programming. What the universe is watching. watching.